The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Hello, Phil. It's Joe. been a long time we've been doing this, my friend. How long is it? It'll How be... Many... I, so you and I would have met eight years ago, just about to the date, in a few months, because it will be the eight-year anniversary of my being sued by Marine Land of Canada for plotting to steal a walrus. Uh, which would have been in February of 2013. I, it's been so long, I hardly remember how we were introduced. I can tell you the story. Please do. When I was sued by Marineland, the headlines uh, international were quite absurd, one of which in the uh, said, the Kanye West of animal training gets sued for 1.5... <laughs> and I tweeted to you saying, dude, they're calling me the Kanye West of animal training. He's like, they're calling you the What? <laughs> And then you went straight to my DM. You said, dude, you got to come to LA and we got to talk about this. I'm like, dude, I'm on the next flight. Let's do it. Well, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for dolphins and orcas. And, and I just, I think we're going to look at it. I've said this before on the podcast with you, but I think we're going to look at it in the future the same way we look at slavery. I think there, it makes me sad just talking about it. I think, I, th I think they're as intelligent as we are. I think they're just different. And because we don't understand their language, we uh, we think it's okay, and I think it's it's beyond fucked up. Watching your documentary made me cry, man. It made me really cry when I was watching that dolphin get force fed. God damn, that's hard. When they're holding his mouth open and shoving fish in his throat, I'm like, fucking Christ, what what is that? Imagine a person. Imagine a person. I mean, you're dealing with an animal that has a cerebral cortex that's forty percent larger than a person's. Can I tell you the story of that animal? His name was Sam. He came in an old male dolphin, wild caught uh, from Russia. And uh, when we received him, you only had to take one look and realize this animal is going to reject captivity. He's a fucking warrior. He's got scars up and down. This is not an animal that's going to accept being told what to do by idiots like me. And you just saw he rejected captivity. We did everything we could to keep him alive. And, you know, if you notice in the documentary, I was told to turn the camera off. And I said, no, no, this is important. I knew then that a lot of the documentation of the things that I was taking could prove useful in the future. I didn't have an agenda when I was there. Remember, I was a company guy. I, I, well, you were a kid. And I was a kid. That's what's crazy about your documentary, The Walrus and the Whistleblower. <sighs> Whew, I'm getting emotional already. I know I came to the right place, Joe. You've always been the biggest support. And the fact that you answer all my calls, you're one of the last. And uh, I just know I'm in the right place. This is my safe place. And... Uh, Thank you for that. Well, my friend. I'm my invested. God. I'm invested in you and your thing and this, this, this project and the fact that Canada stepped up and made all orca and dolphin captivity illegal. And that doesn't exist without you and I having had done this. It, it, the, the backstory to that is it was an interview of, with you and I where the senator's son approached the senator and said, is there any way we can help this guy? And then suddenly a, a private member's bills was introduced. You know, I got a call saying, hey, we're looking to work on something here. And I was like, absolutely. And uh, that's how the bill got drafted. It doesn't exist without you and I haven't spoken. So in every which way, I have you to thank. And the world over has you to thank. Because the influence that you have had on the passing of this law, and now it's progressing to other countries. Other countries are consulting with, I'm actually uh, being witnessed in Australia. I submitted some uh, a witness uh, testimony and whatnot to, to, to support the, uh, a similar ban. And also... I'd like to take the opportunity to take this time to say that there's more laws coming in Canada. The next law that's been introduced by the same senator, uh, 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 Senator Murray Sinclair, who's, who's actually retiring, but 
He now has introduced what's called the Jane Goodall Act, which is now going to extend animal protections and ban the captivity of great apes, oh. big cats, because there's, you know, there's some places in Ontario, in Canada that are awful that they just breed these cats rapidly. And it's just, it's just not the place to have them. They're riding elephants at a place called uh, African Lion Safari. You're next. Anyways, laws are coming. So Joe, in every which way that I get attributed with having done all this stuff, I attribute it right back to you. That's the influence of this show. I knew something eight years ago when I was desperate and looking for a place to, to, to where I can speak unimpeded. The media doesn't allow me that. With the lawsuits and everything on me, a lot of places won't talk to me because they get threatened to be sued. You kept talking to me. And so we're here today in celebration of every which way that you have influenced both my life and the way that we can continue to influence uh, uh, the state of the fucking planet for these majestic animals. I mean, really, let's, it doesn't take a lot of thinking to realize that dolphins, porpoises, and whales have, like you say, a higher intelligence. And I'll even challenge to suggest that they may be even more emotionally intelligent than we could ever appreciate. I mean, there's a chance that they're more intelligent than us. So, you know, when you say that what watching that dolphin get force fed, I have 12 years of that to process and to discuss and to talk. And, and I, it's invaluable that my experience, that I have these open channels to speak and I have them because of you. So well, I'm, thank you, Joe. I'm honored and I'm happy. And you, you've been here. I mean, if we're going back eight years, this is literally the beginning of the podcast when it was just, you were one of like the first groups of interviews because I, I was just kind of talking shit with my friends most of the time back then. Episode and 425. It didn't have, um, I mean, it wasn't, it didn't have an impact on culture. It was just a, a silly thing that we were doing. And so to talk to you about something that meant something to me and for to see that you've been just fucking swinging, duking it out all these years. And when you watch the documentary, you get a real sense of how long this has been a part of your life. It's crazy. Goosebumps. You've right? even got the, you're even rocking the glasses old man style now. I bought these. You've for been coming on forever <laughs> and now you're rocking. Dude, I'm so gray now. You're rocking glasses like this. It's it's really nuts, man. When when you look at the the overall time spent battling this out, I can't think of another person that's more on the forefront of uh, marine mammal captivity than you are. And again, I have you to thank for all of that. Um, Son, I have you to thank. I, I wouldn't have. I, I would just been just talking shit about it. I would. I mean, I I never thought that it would have an impact. I didn't. You know, it, was, it wasn't a plan. I knew just... the second you DM'd me, I thought, this is it. This is my chance. And then years went by and it occurred to me, I'm going to have to go again. This doesn't end. And I came back and then the bills start piling up again. And then I got to come back. This is now the fifth time I've been here. Joe, I will say this. That's crazy. I will say this. You have the most influential podcast in the world. The fact that I've had to come here five times will tell you just how much abuse that it is that I've endured. Systematic abuse through both the courts you know, Marineland's lawyer, Andrew Burns, is really good at doing what he does, which is abuse the system. And, you know, by virtue of, I'm still here accruing inordinate amounts of, of debt for a lawsuit that can easily be, be uh, resolved. It's a trespassing uh, lawsuit. I never, I never stepped foot on the property. There isn't an iota of evidence that I've been presented in a multi-million dollar lawsuit against me that I'm able to defend against. There's nothing. It's all fiction. They're literally created a bullshit story about me and are using the courts to, in every which way, silence me. And but what's crazy is during this time, the owners died. 
from the time you came on the podcast way back eight years ago till now, the owner's now dead. The guy that you were calling out on the podcast back then and the guy who's in the documentary, you see him and you, you see his just his demeanor and his attitude and everything about it. It's just and now the fact that he's gone, but yet the lawsuit rages on. And that's what screams that this is now personal. Lawyers, uh, their reputation is everything. Marineland's lawyer thought this would go away a long time ago because it's not. And because I've taken a lot of options away from him as I continue down this very long <laughs> process, uh, I think he's getting nervous a little bit. This has become a hallmark lawsuit in Canada. A lot of eyes are on, on, on what he's doing. And there's going to be a lot more after this. And in a lot of ways, he's making himself famous for all the wrong fucking reasons. But I'm happy to be on the show to help make that happen. But there's no good side to keeping those animals in captivity. There's no good side to be running a place like Marineland. There's no, there's no upside. It's, I mean, the video alone, if you watch the documentary, the video alone of the, the damage to their skin when they're using chlorine and seeing those animals bleeding and seeing those animals getting force-fed... There's no defending it. You can't defend that. It's not. And we have this concept of intelligence based on our own ability to manipulate the environment around us. Our concept of intelligence is based on our ability to build things and drive a car and fly a plane. And that's how we 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 need to see manipulation in order to to to, to believe that it's intelligent life. But these animals speak in a way that they've been i mean lily was trying to decipher dolphin intelligence in the 1960s they still don't know what the fuck they're saying they've determined that there's some sort of they have dialects and they have they have, they have, they have different accents they for different accents, regions yeah. but they don't know what they're saying they still don't these are insanely intelligent animals i don't want to i don't want to say give up on the idea of interpreting language necessarily but the idea that we can attribute words to their sounds is just not to, it's not the thing to do and again i'm not going to take anything away from scientists who are doing this of course but I, I can i can attest that in my experience being there the things that i took note of in in terms of how they communicated i can tell you when a dolphin was sad angry excited all of these things i can tell you i mean i can i can attribute what i believe that to have been now in my experience yeah i would say that that holds true is this based on just being around them and yes, hearing absolutely. the sounds a lot and joe marine line was my home i was 12 years there. i still to this day i know i can feel that place it was my home those animals were my family it just was it, it's you know it's in life when you take for granted when something is taken from you that you otherwise have you know, when I left that place, those animals are still on my mind. They have names, they have personalities, they have history with me. And these are some really powerful uh, relationships that I had with the animals. But you introduced the likes of Smooshy suddenly, my walrus, and now I become a freaking mother to her. I mean, this is where things get really freaking weird. Well, explain that to people that have never seen any of the earlier podcast. So I'll do a quick run up in 2000. Uh, I don't even remember now at this point. 2012, I quit Marineland because the, uh, the the conditions were such that I, I didn't have much of a choice left. Uh, and so I did. But in doing so, I had to leave a walrus that had imprinted on me. She uh, she was a baby walrus that came into captivity from, you know, wild caught from Russia. In fact, the, the, you saw the footage of the baby walruses. Yeah. Is that awful? I, that well, guts it's also, me. It's awful where they describe how they kill the mother to take away the baby. That footage is... It's, it's scary shit. In any event, so my having been there as long as I did and leaving, I, I haven't felt like I left. I felt like there was unfinished business there. I'm not leaving my walrus behind. I'm just not. 
and so I'm, I'm very different. I'm a different person than what I was eight years ago, Joe. When I was coming on here, I was a person who was desperate with a story to tell. Eight years later, people know who I am. They know what's happening. There's a film about me now. If there's ever been a time that I have a chance at saving this walrus, it is now or How never. How old is she now? She would be 18. Okay, Joe, I got stories to tell about what she's she 18. I got stories to tell her what's happened to her. Okay. Let me just give you a quick update since the... Well, explain the imprinting, how, okay, I will exp how, how that worked. So, so what just became people what... know how close you are to this walrus. Absolutely. So because what... the documentary is crazy. When you see that thing glued to you, it just won't leave your side. She thinks of me every day. It's all she thinks about. This is where the, this is where the tide changes for me with captivity because I am now witness to the trauma of what's become of an animal that's been separated from a, its mother because I know it. So exp explain to people who don't understand what that means. Like what, what happens with an animal when it imprints... Happy to. So uh, herd animals such as walruses that are otherwise in groups of, uh, of thousands, when their calves are born, they need to imprint on the mother. So what happens is everything about them, every attribution, whether it be the, the, their smell, uh, what they look like, the sound of their voice, everything tattoos on that animal's brain so that that baby is able to identify that mother within thousands. It's a scientific process that happens at birth. When Smooshy came to us at two years of age, we were doing a, a, a procedure on another walrus and it caused her, a, you know, she was in a heightened state of emotion and whatnot. She was going, she was climbing all the other trainers. She was being a, a problem. So I, I sought to pull her away from that situation. All I did was put my hands in front of her face and she opened her nostrils big. And I knew in that moment something had happened because now she was following me everywhere. And I couldn't have attributed that to anything that I'd ever done in all of my experience. In so life. just the act of getting close to her and putting your hands on her face? I believe it was during that traumatic, whatever happened, her brain circuitry opened. And she realized that you're the one who takes care of her. I became her mom. And so days go by and, you know, I'm going back there and she's barking for me and I open the gate, she's following me. And, you know, she wasn't healthy when we got her. So now I was spending my eight hour to 12 hour shifts actually just sleeping. And Smooshy's laying on top. You see the footage in the documentary. Yeah. She's just laying beside me. She would only eat from me. It became this crazy thing. And that's what became, I mean, and that's when, that's when the, that's when the world started to change for me. I, I don't have children, Joe. I don't. I never did that. I mean, Frank, that that's not an opportunity that would have been allotted to a person like me trying to fight multi-million dollar lawsuits and everything else. I had to put a lot of things on hold in life. Generally, my life is on hold in a lot of freaking ways because of, of, of what Marine land has done. I mean, you see, they're sending the police to my house all the time. I mean, yeah. over tweets and shit, like what did, and they send the police to your house over tweets? Like what, what do the police say when they show up? Well, these days they like, leave, with, they leave with fuck Marine land stickers. <laughs> they kind of love getting that call, but I don't think they want to be there. They don't really want to be there. But, but why do they have to show up? Like, what are the tweets? What are you saying? Because Twitter will ban you if you threaten people. I, so you're not threatening anybody. The tweet that I sent that sent, well, one of them was, life is short, steal a walrus. And they sent the police to my house because I had tweeted, life is short, steal a walrus. I tweeted it. I took a shower. I came back out. I saw the tweet had exploded. I said, oh, that's... That's going to get some attention. And the next day, the cops pull up. And I said, you got to be fucking kidding me. So I, I light up the camera, the video. Of course, you got the video in the film. Yeah. It's at the very end of the film. You see it. But <sighs> Marine Land, in every which way, is trying to intimidate me and take away How my voice. How are they voice. still open? If they can't have dolphin captivity and orca captivity anymore, well, what did they do with the, the so, orcas? So by virtue of property laws, those animals are Marine Land's property. They're, um, they're grandfathered in. Marine um. Land, the, the way that the law really really tied Marineland up with red tape is they're not able to merely export them as they would have. So Marineland had plans to just sell these animals to China. Very, there's a burgeoning uh, captivity business going on there. So aquariums are opening up all the time. That would have been an easy and a, and a quick buck to be made. Marineland can no longer export 
with the exception of whether or not it is in the interests of the animals. Now, there were a couple of exports that were uh, permitted. Now, they haven't happened on account of lawsuits that are happening in the States now. They're actually trying to stop it. There's a lot of red tape around marine land, but the biggest one is that they're no longer able to breed whales. And that's everything, because marine land at one point had you know, in excess of, uh, of, of 50 into nearly 60 beluga whales. And when you got that many animals, it's difficult to keep track of how many are, are dying every year when as many are being born. So somehow they, they always had the same beluga whales. Where are they putting 50? So the beluga. original owner of Marine land was a classic hoarder and he always just wanted more. And he did in every which way to build a big pool and just stuff belugas in there. He's just got multiple pools of belugas and they were breeding rampantly, but for every six that were born a year, two would live and then other olders would die. Marineland doesn't announce and have no oversight that they have to announce these deaths. I'm the ones who I'm the person who announced them. In fact, I, I recently announced four or five deaths over the summer that Marineland historically used to actually uh, address. If I were to tweet, Hey, this animal's dead within hours, they would release a press release, get ahead of it. You know, so this was happening. They don't respond to me. No, in fact, Marineland's lawyer uh, issued a public statement thing. Uh, after the documentary had come out saying he's no longer responding to me. Like outright uh, uh, as, an, as an actual policy. And even to extend that, Marine Lens lawyer is now refusing to do any communications with my lawyer via telephone uh, because it's concerned that Marine Lens lawyer knows what's happened to Smooshy. There was a plan for her. Now, through the court negotiations, I offered Marine Land. It's in the documentary you can see. I'm willing to drop my counter lawsuit. I'm willing to drop everything. Just... Move Smooshy to an appropriate facility. That's all I'd wanted. That's all I ever wanted. What I, would be an appropriate facility? One where she's not indoors exclusive, alone. The, she's the last Can surviving. Can you give an example of one? Well, I'll give you an example of one that almost happened. Uh, there was a zoo in Toronto. And now, do I love this plan? No. Do I like it a lot? Yes. They were to have two young female uh, uh, walruses. They were to build a brand new facility, all happening this year. It was happening last March. In fact, I had a meeting on March 23rd, where which I was supposed to meet with the the um, the individuals at uh, Toronto Zoo with my lawyer. We were hoping to get a letter of intent so that we can show the judge. And you know, we had funding. Look, I had I had a lot of celebrities, courtesy of of the show, that were offering inordinate amounts of money to make this happen. Marine Line rejects it all. They won't do it. Here's what's become. On June 1st, a former employee of Marine Line who had been fired inexplicably, she, she herself couldn't quite understand, although we sort of figured it out over some time. She came to me and she said, she had things to tell me about Smooshy. And the one thing she said that struck me, she said she was pregnant. I said, that's an impossibility. 17-year-old walruses, A, it would be really grossly irresponsible to allow for that to happen too what's their lifespan well in a while they may go 30 35 years at marine land they don't last eight to ten smooshy is the last one alive but what marine land did is they negotiated a deal to have her transferred out on my birthday this is, sounds crazy but i have the documentation i maybe shouldn't admit that but i do they had plans to ship her out on march 21 my birthday it <sighs> failed it failed because of covid they tried two days later. I got a tweet from the CFI, from uh, a, an anonymous tweet from uh, someone saying, your friends at the CFIA stopped an export to Germany, to a facility. I believe, and I don't want to absolutely attribute it to it, but I believe it's the Tier Park Zoo in uh, Hamburg, Germany. Uh, they, you know, I've done some research. They breed walruses. They know how to do it. This girl says to me, I think, like they were treating Smooshy like she's pregnant. It's an impossibility. 
there wasn't a male walrus alive in the in the gestation period of a wal of a of a walrus's pregnancy. In fact, the math is such that the last male died at the same time as he would otherwise be getting smooshy pregnant at Marineland. At Marineland. Now, I worked there 12 years and at the time we had like a lot of walruses. They never successfully were successfully bred. In fact, Walrus breeding is a very difficult thing in captivity. You need a, a range of very specific things. You need a certain UV lighting. You need some fresh air. You need a, a number of things. It's, it's, a, it's a rare thing, and it's quite celebrated when it happens in captivity. I didn't believe her. I wouldn't believe her, but she kept telling me of things that these, that she kept telling me that there were veterinarians from Germany that were there and that they were manipulating her, and it had happened over some time, and they were monitoring her. Now, when I put two and two together, okay, we've got an export to, to Germany that's supposed to happen in March, canceled on account of COVID. We've got, uh, we've got a girl telling me now that there's German veterinarians that are manipulating Smooshy. I tweeted, I have a, I, something to the effect, I, I'm paraphrasing, but something to the effect of, you know, I have, a good, I have on good uh, reason to believe that Smooshy's been uh, inseminated, like she's been made pregnant. And uh, June 3rd, Marineland tweeted that Smooshy had given birth to a calf. There's not been a picture of Smooshy since over a year ago. On account of COVID, Smooshy was never taken out. The, uh, the, the park operated, but, you know, obviously there was not a lot of numbers. But they, because of the rules of Bill S-203, which we had passed in Canada, which bans the, the captivity of, uh, of whales, dolphins, and porpoises, it also uh, limits their performance. They, they're not actually allowed to perform for entertainment no more. Uh, much of the advertising is not allowed and whatnot. So... When I read Marineland's press release of what they, you know, of, of Smooshy's calf's birth, which I aptly named June, which was the, the month she was born and is also the name of the uh, of Marineland's veterinarian. Um, they said they were monitoring Smooshy carefully and that, you know, these, this, that giving birth is a risky thing. We've not seen a picture of her since. There's not been an iota of an update. In fact, I started to... At one point I tweeted, it's time for me to accept that Smooshy's probably dead. It had been months. And whereas Marineland used to respond to my tweets with an update of Smooshy, there was nothing. There was nothing. Now, I knew that there was efforts to have her shipped out and whatnot. So what happened was social media started getting flooded. Marineland social media. People started saying, where the fuck is Smooshy? Not only supporters of mine, people that support Marineland. Marineland's response. And this, is a, this was a national article in all of Canada. They completely ignored everything, all media requests, my lawyer's requests. We just want to know where Smooshy is. We want to know if she's still alive. They blocked everybody. They're blocking fans. They're blocking everybody. People started to call Marineland's lawyer. Marineland's lawyer, who has attributed himself as Marineland's spokesperson in public, was a pallbearer at John Holder's death, was now telling people, if you want answers about Marineland, call Marineland. He is Marineland. He's the one that does the answers. Where the fuck is Smooshy? That's where I'm at today. I don't know with absolute certainty that she's alive, but I should mention that I have been told by a lot of people that she is. I have reason to believe that she is. I don't absolutely Who's, know. Like, how does someone know that she, who is someone who works there? So because the people that work there, so, so what I should mention is that girl who had told me this information that got fired inexplicably, it turned out because she was like a junior trainer. She was inadvertently in a meeting where they had gone over the details of the uh, German vets coming in and whatnot. And one of the trainers were actually trying to stop Marineland's lawyer from revealing too much because that girl shouldn't have been there. And a week later, she was fired. She doesn't understand what the hell happened. I don't know that that's exactly the story because this is what she says to me. Now, you imagine former employees come to me with stories and I, 
typically tell people, if you're a former employee, you're, no, you're not really good to me anymore. I mean, if you didn't have, if you didn't have the gumption to do something while you were an employee, don't come to me now because I don't know that you haven't been fired because you're a dickhead. I don't know the, your backstory. I don't know that I'm able to trust your information, but hers came and I did do the tweet and it, it wound up being absolutely, uh, absolutely true. And so today I, I sit here and there are a number of Marineland employees who know, one of which did reach out to me through someone else. Now, I don't know. Again, Marineland tries to set me up very often. They want me to attack uh, employees. They want to do this to attribute this level of uh, danger to me so that they can show the courts. People are afraid to talk because Phil will send a, it's all absolute freaking nonsense, but you know, they got young people there that are now signing NDAs and stuff. <laughs> You ever just imagine you're going to go for your dream job and then you sign an NDA that you're an 18 year old girl that you might be sued for millions of dollars if you reveal anything about Marineland? This is what the employees, the umbrella. The can, I, can I ask you something real quick? Absolutely. How do, what does Marineland do now? If the, if the dolphins can't have shows, the orcas can't do shows. They can do educational uh, presentations. So they can talk about the science of animals. They can speak. You know, they, they just can't have them do jumps and stuff to music. Do they still have crowds? Hardly. They really didn't have many crowds before. The thing about uh, Marineland's success is that it was built on one man's vision, one man's shoulders. He owes nobody nothing. He accrued an, a, a lot of money and uh, he invested it solely in the park. He, owes, he has debt to nobody and has a lot of money. The, but he's dead. He's dead. And his son's dead. The son is dead. There's, there is one more son. Uh, in fact, I had an interaction. How did this 37-year-old son die? The last time we were on the show, you asked me that. And Did I, you not tell me? I alluded to it. Um, we don't have to say it. If you don't want to. I was just curious. I'll say this. I was reached by a lot of people at the time of just prior to his dying. And they said, you know, Johnny's really fucked up. They're like, dude, he's turning yellow. Like, he doesn't look right. You have to talk to him. I was Johnny's friend. And I didn't. I couldn't with the circumstances. I saw what was happening to Johnny. Johnny was a, Johnny lived under in really difficult, uh, situation, you know, and I, I can say this because I know what it means to try to make your father proud. When Johnny brought me in to see Smooshy, when Marineland tried to keep me out, yeah, all of Marineland's impending problems, all the ensuing problems that came from my seeing her in the condition she was, and then ultimately deciding to speak to the media, all of that was attributed to him. He was now being guilted for... By his dad. Well, you know, I got to be careful what I say. I yeah, should yeah, mention yeah. that I, I I am lawyered up to shit. My lawyer sent me a number of emails of what to say, what not to say. I didn't Did read they it. Did they really? <laughs> I didn't read it. That's hilarious. I'd love to be... <laughs> Dude, it's... It's fly on the wall. It's so your crazy. lawyer is thinking, thinking of like what to say to you. Well, I, eh, I'd love to say <laughs> the thing that I planned to say that he said, no, Phil, that would be not wise, but... Maybe I'll tell you offline. Well, we could get drunk and then might slip out. Yeah, that might happen. Oh, Joe, I really appreciate you watching the film. Can I just uh, offer some credit to the filmmaker who sure. I would have loved to have come join, but by virtue of, uh, you know, the laws and the and the travel um, issues, you know, she she as a young mother with kids would not have been able to to afford the uh, what ha do you have to quarantine i have to go quarantine back? not only that i now have to get a negative covid test a very specific one within 72 hours before of, you uh, go back before going back which <laughs> which which comes 
to law tomorrow. <laughs> Imagine that. Oh, that's uh, you know, funny. For too long, I thought I wasn't able to. I wasn't going to be able to get here. Just the way they were, they were just shutting everything down. So, so do you have to have a PCR test? Yeah, I got to get a PCR test within 72 hours of going back. And then I got to quarantine for two weeks. But that's okay. I can quarantine because, you know, I got a busted up heel. I'm not really doing too much. I've been in my house for the last, I mean... 12 weeks on my back so i get it but again back to the filmic i just want to i just want to stress that when the film was proposed to me it was proposed it was actually projects were proposed by multiple filmmakers and, and i was weighing options and then when the name natalie bibo came up i recognized that name because when i was a child one of my best friends even today is is i'll, I'll say his name in french his name is daniel bibo his name's bibo is what we call him it's his last name Bibo's a good friend of mine maybe the craziest motherfucker i know which obviously means genius too, but his older sister, when we were kids, was always the person who was achieving everything in high school. Like we didn't, I mean, there was enough of an age gap that I knew of her. I didn't know her personally very well, but you know, we didn't hang in social circles and whatnot, you know, but nonetheless, when her name come up, she comes from the same city as me. I'm from a small town, Welland. I now live in beautiful Chippewa, Niagara. When her name came up, I thought, ay, 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 this is someone that's going to understand me. You know, people get Phil fatigue very quick with me. I get it. I can understand it. They get what? Phil fatigue. I'm oh, hated. Phil fatigue. If you spend too I much time with... I thought it was a word I hadn't heard before. I was like, what's that? <laughs> Phil fatigue. You'll get it, Joe. I'm sorry. So Phil fatigue. Two yeah, yeah. words. <laughs> well, Marineland fatigue exists too. Well, you, you have incredible endurance. Like, to be able to do this for as long as you've done. I mean, I, I, I think about you all the time. I really do. I, I think about the, the struggle that you've been under for all these years and how crazy it is and how much stress it must be putting on your life. And we actually talked about that before the show, like that you lost weight and you just, it's an insane amount of stress and, and to be going through it for, what are you, were you like 40 what now? Um, I'll be, you know, it's crazy. I thought I was turning 42 in March. I'm turning 43. I lost an entire year of my life. I don't remember 2020. You have been involved in this for almost half of your life. If you look at the percentage, it's a large percentage of my life. I've it's had insane. A of inordinate um, problems. There's very few human beings who are like you who would have done what you've done because most people would have just moved on with their life. That's what's so crazy is that you just keep enduring. And they don't have a daughter that's being held hostage. I know this sounds crazy. It's how I feel. I'm in a hostage situation. That's their bargaining chip. They want my ass, and they're willing to harm me in the worst possible way to do it. Well, I don't negotiate with fucking terrorists. It's a war. That's why I'm here. I'm like Aquaman, diving down to the bottom of this fucking ocean to go get the weapon right now. I'm here today to get my fucking weapon. That's how I feel, like Aquaman, having to travel to the States in this COVID-crazy world to go get my fucking weapon. And I am here to get it, Joe. I'm here to get my weapon. This walrus, like, if you can get her out, where can she go? Like, you, you were in the middle of describing what they were trying to do in Toronto. So by virtue of COVID, those, that, that I understand those plans went a little bit wayward. Um, you know, if, if Smooshy were involved in that plan, that plan takes off tomorrow. If there's funding tomorrow to make it happen, Toronto Zoo will make it happen tomorrow. I thought this was an ideal situation because it, it meant there no male walruses. It meant she wouldn't be bred because I know the dangers of breeding such a, a, an older animal, especially a first-time mother. It was, I mean, what Marineland did to, to her is, uh, could be arguably one of the worst things they could have done. It was the riskiest thing that they could have done. So my hope was to keep, her from, keep that from happening to her in whichever facility that she went to. I knew Marineland had ulterior motives in which facility they would send. You know, they want to send her across... You know, they want to send her to Europe. They want to send her to China. They want to send her anywhere but North America. They're perfectly, 
uh, suitable outdoor facilities. Uh, there's a beautiful one in, uh, I mean, I don't want to start naming all the facilities because I don't want to be endorsing zoos, to be honest. I mean, I'm not a big fan of zoos. I get it. But Marine Smooshy right now lives in a fucking bathtub. It's a cesspool. It's disgusting. It's not the size of this room. It's, it's twice this table and about the same depth. I mean, she lives in literal walrus hell. It's all the fucking animals do in Marineland. Their facilities are atrocious and awful. You saw the back, you know, there's some footage backstage of it. This is not an environment that is conducive to health for animals. So all I want is for her to live in an environment that is, A, that I'm able to see her. Because that is everything to her and me, to her health, mental health, and well-being, absolutely. I want that back. I want her outdoors somewhere. I would love to see a temperate climate somewhere where it's, you know, where it's, where she's not performing. I mean, there's video of her performing while pregnant in 90 degree weather two summers ago. How the fuck do you rationalize that? She's a walrus. You saw the footage, Joe. Again, I, I have to go back to the, the documentary where I speak of Zeus the walrus. And I attribute just how, how much I've been, I'd been trying to raise attention over what's happening to this animal. And you see him, you see him. Moments before he died, you see Marineland's press release where they say he's healthy and everything. You know, that was footage that uh, was taken backstage by someone who probably is not working at Marineland anymore, as you can imagine. I don't know for sure, but once yeah, that documentary came very out. very unhealthy. He was unhealthy for years. I, there's an argument to be made that I was deemed a problem employee by Marineland when I was speaking up for Zeus. Because it was Zeus that was, that got me and John Holler... That, that created our divide. Whereas John Holder, the owner of Marineland, and I were together on things, when it just became the point where this walrus was, I mean, this was an awful situation. You only have to see the footage to know it. That's when our divide started. That's when I was deemed a problem employee. In fact, the HR girl called me, and that's when I went from a supervisor to suddenly things were changing for me. And, uh, you know, swim tests that I had, uh, pe I needed people to pass in order to actually work with dolphins and stuff were thrown up by the wayside. And suddenly, you know, I'm a supervisor. Someone gets sick. Or if rather someone gets hurt, I could be liable for like a $25,000 fine. Like, why am I putting people that can't swim in with dolphins? It doesn't make any fucking sense. I'm not taking this liability. So I didn't, I had just, I, they made things very uncomfortable for me. I used to be a scuba diving supervisor. I was no longer that. It became evident that there was some, because I'd started to speak too much on behalf of the animals, I'd been deemed a problem employee. So I think that the writing for me was on the wall before I left. I think when I left, it was maybe just before they might've done something which would have discredited me. Had I left and they'd fired me, I wouldn't have a voice today. I left on my own accord. They had to catch up to what I had to say, and they never did. We're eight years ahead, and they have yet to debunk a single solitary thing I've said. In fact, what, let me ask you this. What do they want, like this lawsuit? Revenge. But what, but what is specifically do they want? Like what are they saying in the lawsuit? They're trying so, to sue you for money? So they're suing me for $1.5 million. And what's the basis of that? <laughs> Joe, you're looking at a guy... Who's yet to see an iota of evidence against him? That I understand, is but what no. is what are the what is the case that they're saying? Like, what are they saying? You know, they've they're they're meant to. So the way lawsuits typically work is, uh, let's say I have a dispute with you, and I believe you owe me money. I will make my claim. I will attribute uh, uh, evidence to it, and then you will defend against it, and the judge will make its uh, his their finding. And what they do is they deal with property, property, money, things like that. When Marineland sued me. For money, in every which way that we have moved forward, all they've ever wanted was for me to sign something that would take away my voice. That's not what courts do. It's not a remedy that the courts can offer. Yes, between negotiations, we can, we can figure out anything to throw these things out, right? But the courts don't remedy 
the issues that we're dealing with uh, as, as per me wanting the walrus and them wanting me to shut up. This is not how it works. It's just not, it's, this is not something that a judge can even say. A judge can't look at it and say, okay, well, we're taking your voice and we're giving him the walrus. It just isn't. It's always a matter okay. over property. So they're suing me with a bullshit lawsuit. It, like, imagine it to be, to have exactly zero credibility. There's nothing. So how's it still going on? Because courts are such that you, as a plaintiff or defendant, are offered uh, uh, a lot of remedies that take a lot of time and can spend a lot and can cost a lot of money. COVID really did set things backwards for us. I mean, we did in the eight years now that we've been in litigation, Marineland has tried in every which way to avoid what's called discovery, where we actually exchange documents. We did discovery. And again, Marineland didn't want it. They have fought in every which way and every step of the way and spending an inordinate okay. amount of money to try to keep me from getting anywhere. But the judges, as we continue, she makes provisions and, and you know, I've kicked Marineland's ass. Every time we go to court, they, they wind up owing me money and stuff. And I wind up reinvesting that money right back to kicking their ass. I love it. I love when they pay to destroy themselves, but after we got through all the discoveries, the next step is to go to trial. My team, what we did is called pass the trial record. We told the judge we're ready. We've now gone through every step of litigation over the eight years. We are now, it's time to go to court. Marineland in the 11th hour, and this is as we speak, have proposed a motion that they want to change everything of the lawsuit. Despite the fact that we've already done discoveries and it is done. And when discoveries are done, each party has an option to ask more questions and to, you know, to disclose more evidence and whatnot. Marineland waived that. They were done. It's time to go to trial. But by all by every standard of what a, 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 a lawsuit is, we are ready for trial. In the 11th hour, Marineland decided to put in a last minute motion that the judge will hear any time. She may very well be hearing today. I don't know. I mean, probably not. I would have heard from my lawyer if that was the case. But there will be a, there will be a, a time when Marineland will try once again to introduce an emotion, a motion that I will have to defend. Their latest motion, after eight years of trying to ruin my credibility through evidence or testimony of people, all this stuff, they want, now they want to do a thing called a... Um, they want to do a thing called a, uh, I can't remember what it is, but it's a different type of judgment. It's a judgment that where it, it, it doesn't require um, any evidence, uh, like rather it doesn't require uh, testimony. It doesn't, there's no gray area. It's a, it's rather a, uh, it's a determinants that's made by the judge based on the evidence in front of them. Now there's nothing there, but Marineland is trying to make this happen. Now I'm speaking with my judge. He says, it's not an impossibility that it happened. It's not even necessarily something we hate because it doesn't. You're speaking up. with your lawyer, you mean? In, with my lawyer and speaking yeah. of what the fuck becomes of this? How is this not the case that we're not going to trial? I don't understand. What, what are the possible outcomes of this? He gives me the options of what this looks like down the road. But what Marineland is trying to do is they want to reopen all of this, this, the dis discoveries after already waiving that right for the last time. They're looking for remedies where they're starting over the lawsuit eight years in. They're trying to completely reconstruct as so if it's a So they're basically trying thing. to drag you out. That's exactly and what they're thinking. They're... Eventually, you're going to get tired of living your whole life for this Marineland lawsuit, and you're going to tap out. And I don't understand how they're still thinking that that could be the case. All I've done is attribute well, more and here's, more. Here's some insight. The longer they do this, the longer that lawyer can exist without the loss. So the thing is, he doesn't have the loss on his record. You nailed it, dude. And so he's he, also padding his, uh, he's putting money under yeah, that mattress. Exactly. He's getting money from, look, that's what divorce lawyers do. 
you know, unscrupulous divorce lawyers will like go, hey, Phil, I don't think you want to settle with her. Listen, she's uh, she's got a new boyfriend now. He's been talking in her ear. I think you should ask for more money. I think you need more. I think she's going to she's gonna try to take it away from you. And then the lawyer will go to her and go, you know, Phil is not a good guy. And Phil, you know, like Phil, like you, the way you think about him now, you guys, do you think you're friends? you think you're going to be friends five years from now when he doesn't want to pay you anymore? Listen, we got to get as much as we can right now up front. And they keep it going. They There's keep the it end. going. They there. keep it going. They keep it going. They try to keep it going because they, they have a vested interest in continuing the lawsuit. If they continue the lawsuit, they continue the income. So this guy's doing that, I would imagine. And he's, I mean, can, I don't know, but I would imagine. It's wise to say you don't know and you wonder, but and I'll say the same. I wonder. I'll say the same. I'll speculate. I'm going to speculate as well that, and I speculate in the documentary that I don't think Marine Land's owner, the uh, the heir, the the wife of the now deceased owner John Holder, I don't think she's getting. Uh, I don't think she's getting a full picture of what's happening. In fact. And well, I don't know that well, much of the decisions the that are thing, being made are by her. They probably don't want to lose either. Like, if they lose, like, that's not good because then you go, hey, I fucking won, the walrus is out, and then Marine Land gets another shot and another black eye. I don't see that. I only see win, win, win. I see Marine Land saying, Smooshy is the last walrus. She now has a calf. We need to find a better place for her. We're doing it on our own accord without Phil. Who gives a shit? They could say whatever the fuck they well, want. Well, let me ask you this. Let's, let's look at it this way. If I gave you a magic wand and I said, do whatever you'd like with Marine Land, what would you do? Like, what if it, this lawsuit, the way it ends up is you own Marine Land? If I own Marine Land, the first thing I would do is try to find it. was <laughs> The first thing I would do is sell a chunk of it, get some money, fund the whale sanctuary project, get that fucking sanctuary built. And I'd start making plans to get those animals in there. Let's start rehabbing them, not necessarily for release, but for... Give them that semblance of, uh, of a natural life. Give we them talked about this the last time we did. you were here. We talked about this, the idea to do something in the actual ocean, mm -hmm. in the wild, where you establish some sort of an intermediary step between having these animals captive and then getting them more and more accustomed to being wild. And it, ex it exists and is, it, so we're at the, I say we, but the Whale Sanctuary Project is at the permitting phase. They've got the location decided. And they believe that they will have residents by 2022. I will say this. There are marine land whales that are being considered for it. Whether marine land likes it or not, there's uh, aspects of having to deal with the government that uh, marine land doesn't love. And they don't love that uh, I may be a little bit of a voice in that corner. And this is something they may be learning today. But uh, my negotiations run deep. Marine land, was, uh, marine land inadvertently empowered me with uh, a lot of influence. And uh, I've wrapped them in red tape in every which way that I can. In the hopes, of course, that they would do the right thing because the right thing is what they can do with those whales. They can do the right thing. They can release them in their best interest to a sanctuary. There's right, one but how do they stay open? How do they stay alive? Like, are they, are they Land is, earning an income right now? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're actually, as we speak, they're, going, they're moving away from marine mammal captivity. If you go to their social media, they rarely sp uh, speak of or post pictures of their animals it's it's more often new rides are coming and you know they try to stress the education aspect of what's uh, so they're adjusting there. well they claim adjustment well they have really to kind of happening. adjust for the new laws either way it, it, they yes. can't be bringing in these new russian caught whales and dolphins can't breed them if they if they're caught bred so so the the whale gestation periods are such that the last round of marine land whale births which again happened during covid time so it just became a little bit more of a complicated thing to monitor um if they uh, breed 
any whales anymore or dolphins, which they can't. They've only got five female dolphins, but they've got a number of belugas. If they breed them, it's now they're now subject to a hundred thousand dollar fine and a criminal fucking uh, and 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 you know some criminal aspects to it. So they're in trouble. They and. <laughs> We have forced them in ways to evolve. Now, because the original owner is gone, his vision is now moot. Um, I don't know that Marineland isn't actively trying to be sold and maybe try to make their brand a little bit more uh, uh, attractive because there was a time last year, over the two years ago, over the course of the summer, where they'd Marineland had sort of requested that I not tweet. They requested? Uh, I'll say that. So what does that, that mean? It was just something that they wanted that if I did in, in good faith that, you know, maybe I was going to get something at the end of it. Uh, I uh, know. How vague? <laughs> I have to be, unfortunately. I, I get it. I get it. My lawyer was adamant about that, and that is what it is. But <clears throat> they asked me not to, to tweet over the course of a summer. I said, well, let me see. Uh, anyways, bottom line is uh, it didn't. We didn't come to an agreement, and what's great about that is within one week, I, I put two one million hitter viral videos of, of what was happening to Marineland's animals, and it was exactly what I promised them. I just said to them, I said, look, you want me to not tweet? I'm just going to tweet more. It's like, we got to, let's work together here. Let's get something to go. Let's, let's find our happy medium. You know, they're not, we're not meeting in the middle here. We're just not. It's not going to happen. So I was very happy to attribute a lot of awful, awful, awful things. In fact, that tweet, Life is Short, Steel of Walrus, came only a week after, you know, our, our, our sort of failed uh, agreement. But um, and that's what Marineland does. It seems more than not, they, they just keep making, serving up these beautiful mistakes my way that I just capitalize on and, and bring is, a lot of attention is to Is the them. documentary out right now? The documentary is out and available now. I, I, I will tweet... Where's um, it? Where, where can one get it? There's a number of places. I, I, in fact, can you I'll, get it on Netflix? You can't get it on Netflix yet. There was some talk. Now again, I'm not on the business side of this. I was just I was uh, I was filmed. I understand. You, can you get it on Apple TV? You can get it on Apple TV. Let me actually get the list of the places that it can be uh, uh, watched. It's quite in the states. It's it's a lot more than in Canada. In Canada right now, I believe it's uh, iTunes. I believe it's uh, you know YouTube. There's a number of things. But here in, in the states, you can watch on. Apple, uh, Amazon Prime, YouTube, Google Play, Voodoo, Fandango, now I don't know these names, Microsoft. If you've got a VPN, any other country, go ahead and watch it. And if you find a place where you can steal it, go ahead and steal it. I have absolutely, I make zero money from this. I have no interest other than having eyes on it. So in every which way, that's what I want. I just Your need friend to gave it. us this beer. Yes. That is some wacky ass beer that needs a fucking wine opener. Yeah, welcome to my world. This guy gives we me this a, beer and I'm always like, come on, dude. It's, but... But it has a, a cap and a cork. Like he's doubling up. Wine connoisseurs, or rather beer connoisseurs. You know, these guys come, show up to my house and they're bringing things called saisons. And all. I'm just like, dude, I drink old Vienna. I drink a, just the old beer. They're, they're hardcore out here. In Texas, there's a oh. lot of these microbreweries and people that make their own beer. So people can get it. Amazon Prime, iTunes. Those are the two big ones. That's yeah, the UK uh, two, can't. Two oh, look, there it is. I didn't even know that that existed. How yeah. about that? So there's plenty of places to watch the documentary. Bring some tissues because you're going to fucking cry. I do hope, though, there is a, there's a big part of me that hopes that it gets on Netflix. I mean, there is a buzz about the film, and I don't see how it won't, but that Netflix factor, you know what that does to films? Oh, yeah, baby. You know what that could do? Look what it did for Tiger King. Oh, dude. And, you know, for a while, I was they were, <laughs> like, a lot of the places were like, hey, meet the Tiger King of, of Marine Line or of oh, Dolphins. I'm like, fuck, no, no, I'm not that. 
Who's the girl? What's the girl's name? That's like the one who's killing everybody. Yeah, that's me. I'm Carol Baskin. They got it wrong. I'm like, no, I'm not the fucking. Yeah, I don't know if you want to be. Carol no, I don't Baskin, want to be. Bro. But they got it way wrong with Tiger King. I'd rather be Carol Baskin than him. I yeah, mean, but... I don't think you want to be Carol Baskin. I'll be Phil Demers. Should pleased. we put these in glasses? How do you do this? It seems like these are little tiny ass glasses. They're not the wine glasses that were suggested, but that's we outrageous. That. <laughs> Your friend is outrageous with that suggestion. There it goes. Okay, Come napkins, on. please. Well, it's already get a little little beer on the table. Is good for the good for the. Oh. Good for the finish. Jamie gave us some tissues. It's good for the patina. Joe, I want to just, while we're in a chill mode here, I just want to say something that I did last week. You know, despite how awful and crazy my life is, there is some, there's always these flashes of beautiful lights and whatnot. And one of which was last week I was, uh, part I participated with something uh, with your good time, big time bud, Robin Black, who uh, oh, was a friend of the show. <laughs> did this punk rock karaoke i think we're a band now i talked to him i said dude i want to do this right, let's be a band and robin black come back says dude i've listen, always wanted to listen be to a me band. people love you don't fuck that up now with this how does that fuck that up being a <laughs> punk rock is fucking fun as shit dude this is what i here's I'm what people, kidding. don't make them listen to your dude, look at this thing. any chance i got to go put some fuck marine land sticker in a, in oh a, so you guys did it like on zoom yeah no we did a karaoke song yeah yeah, yeah we did it zoom but this is something we're gonna carry over man we're, we're gonna do a band how crazy is this when the world becomes normal you're gonna see robin black and the binks Oh my god! Is that what he calls it? He is so invested in that Dude, word, Bink. He's so great, man. I love, I love it. And his, his, the energy he brings. I mean, look at this. This guy. What people don't know about Robin Black is he actually used to be in a band that oh, I yeah. used to go see in the '90s called Robin Black and the Intergalactic Rocks, uh, Rock Stars. So the fact that I'm sitting here now playing with Robin Black and we're gonna be Robin Black and the Binks is, dude, I'm having such a good time with this shit. I need this stuff, you know. Crazy as it is, watch it. I, and look at how. Is there anything more rock than kicking off a roll of toilet paper with red Crocs? Like, come on. Uh, yeah, there's a few drugs and yeah, well, getting arrested. We did all the good ones in the nineties. A lot of man. things that are more rock than that, bro. Oh, I but, love it, Lee. That's so much fun. It's very cute. Shout Thank out. you. Shout out to Robin. That's a hell of a shirt he's jacket. Oh, dude, he goes for it. I knew, I knew he was the right guy to recruit because I knew he'd go for it, man. I just remember his performances in the nineties. They were legendary. So, punk rock karaoke. Check it out, Robin Black and the Binks. Like I said, people like you. Don't fuck this up yeah. with this. Make him watch this. Phil fatigue. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> All this the time. Phil fatigue thing is real. Well, the strange thing Not about that it, people are fatigued of you, but I mean, just trying to keep up with you. I don't know how the fuck you have the energy to continue all this. I really, like I said about you know that I, I think about you a lot and what you what you've done. I really do. I, I don't understand how a person can dedicate that much of their life to this one cause and 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 have that kind of energy that you've had. And so, whereas a lot of people ask me exactly that, they call me egotistical. Yeah, they say I want to be. Thanks. Cheers. They say I want to be famous. They say all these crazy ass shit. I get it. I mean, I'm an easy person to criticize. Uh, I do got a big ego. It gets to my fucking head. I get it. But everybody's easy to criticize. I would just wish that people could attribute. You'll understand me more if you were a walrus mom. That's just the only thing I can say of it. You'll get Phil fatigue because it's got to be boring to listen to the shit that I say. I get it. You're not going to relate. And I also am combative and I am reactive and I'm all the awful things. So Phil fatigue is real. In fact, a lot of people don't talk to Phil anymore. <laughs> That's okay. The vegans, especially. So now you're using, you're talking in third person. Now you really are the Kanye West of Wallace. That is What's the fatigue, dude. That's the fatigue. <laughs> Listen, there's nothing wrong with it. Is you, it cool if I light this like I would a joint? I mean, I don't, uh, I don't smoke the cigar. All yeah. Time. Yeah. You light it like you just light it, man. Mm. 
Wow, this beer is crazy. Have you drank? Did you drink some of this? No, not yet. Cheers. Cheers. Salute. Thanks again. This Jones. Does not even taste like beer. Like what is that? It's sweet, eh? Yeah, it's crazy. Kind of tastes almost like a wine taste to it. What kind is this one? He gave us a couple of them. He gave us some wacky labels that you need a fucking magnifying glass to read too. Try reading that. Actually, there's no words on it. That's why you can't read it. It's just art. <laughs> like I said, my friend Adam's here. He brought the, the beers. He brings beers every time I see him, and every time it's like 8.5 alcohol. It's not a beer. It's a bottle of wine. I don't know. What are we calling this beer for? Shout out to Adam, and shout out to Foundation Cigar Company for hooking us up. And then they, they gave me a, a painted bo box. Look at that. Hand-painted. It's very cool. With my face with some wacky earrings. When I start wearing earrings like that, you know I've lost it. <laughs> well, then maybe I'll start wearing them before you. <laughs> Sounds like. What are you going to do when this is all resolved? Do you ever wonder about that? A lot of people ask me exactly that. And for a long time, I didn't know. I don't know. You know, there's an element of what I do that is considered animal rights. And the animal rights people, if you will, will celebrate the work and also, and also very often um, criticize it because I'm a meat eater. But I am in every which way trying to distance myself from being a noted animal rights activist as just a dude who took on a fucking challenge. So what I am looking at in the future in every which way that I consider it, I do consider a podcast. I think that'd be fun. Like, um, you know, you and I had discussed the, the possibility of my doing a podcast. We discussed, and of course, with the, with the ever sort of looming lawsuits, I get like this transcript of our speaking right now will be seen by a judge. It just is. So the timing hasn't been great for me to do it, but I have finally resolved that I do know what it is that I want to do in terms of the context of a, of a podcast. And I've, I've, I've only at this point secured the social medias and everything, but, uh, you know, the concept is I'd like to start something called the Uphill Battle Podcast. And the name Phil is in Uphill, which I fucking love. And it's going to be great to market. But, and I just want to talk to people all walks of life and in every which way that they rose up to a challenge. Because, you know, before Joe Rogan was Joe Rogan, there's a story of when you were curled up somewhere with dreams. And, and, and you were facing some hardships and whatnot, you know. And I want to hear from all walks of life, in fact. It doesn't require to be a, a celebrity for Sam. I mean, I, I appreciate that people like to hear from celebrities and whatnot. But everyone has a story. And so, whereas I used to be identified as an animal rights guy, these days I am more inclined of just being known as a guy who's done this thing, right? So I'm trying to sort of get away yeah, from that. The I don't term animal rights is it's a heavy term, you know, and unfortunately it's, um, it's it carries with it a lot of other activity and behavior. And I'm not like, a vegan. Yeah, it that's, just ends there for me. Well, like, when you were on the documentary Grilling Steaks. In your backyard, that became painfully obvious. And then when uh, years ago, we were talking about how you uh, you and I ate at Antler. Uh, shout out to Michael Hunter, who uh, is the chef and owner of Antler, which is an amazing restaurant in Toronto. That became famous because there was a bunch of protesters outside of Antler. And uh, Michael decided it would be a fun thing to butcher a deer in front of the window. I remember it. Those are uh, those were my people until they uh, well, until you and I took that selfie in front of Antler. And, mm. and you know what's interesting about that is Joe Antler actually serves up some of the greatest vegan dishes out there. So delicious. The vegan sides are great. They don't ki they kill not nearly as many animals as all the places that the vegans are now taking. I call them selfie burgers. They're all in front of A and W. Hey, look at this burger. Look at this. It's like. Kentucky Fried Chicken, look, they got a vegan burger now. Go to, it's like, whoa, dude, do you have any idea what the fuck you're paying for now? You know how many chickens get slaughtered at Kentucky Fried Chicken, and yet you're going to sit there and promote it? And I'm taking a picture in front of a place that literally hunts and kills very few animals, like fewer than any of these crazy franchises that you're taking selfie burgers in front of. 
Mm. It just blows my mind. The hypocrisy. I get it. They There's want, hypocrisy in everything. They, yeah, it. it's a weird hypocrisy. You know, they want uh, people to eventually move away from eating meat. <clears throat> the, the thing is, it's like I, I can understand not wanting factory farming. When you want an animal to not die from hunting, that is arguably the best death it could ever have. Do you know like how many animals live of old, live and die of old age I'm in the wild? I'm with you, Joe. I'm with you because I don't ignore these facts. Zero. I'm not making a convenience. I'm not conveniently ignoring that fact. No, I do know it. No animals in the wild die of old age. I mean, maybe like one in a million. Yeah, but they get eaten. Yeah, they, get they still eaten, get eaten. Or they starve to death. Or they die freezing to death. Or they die of disease. Or they get injured. You know, like, this is just the way the world works. If human beings stop eating animals, it doesn't mean animals suffer less. Now, if factory farming ends, it does mean animals suffer less. And we're all on the same page there. I think humane treatment of animals is it's imperative, whether it's animals that we consume or animals that we treat as pets or whatever it is. Humane treatment of animals is it shows how what who we are as culture. It's the thing, uh, you know. If I were, and I'm, and I'm not, I'm not trying to tell people how to do things, but you know, I would look at alternative means. And this is going to sound maybe crazy, but you know, animals get hit by cars and shit all the time. Like it's pretty awful. Why aren't they grabbing that meat and maybe harvesting it? Why isn't there some type well, of? Well, they like, are. They are in most parts of the United States. And to me, that should a be a vegan of... initiative. The vegan should be yeah. behind something <clears throat> of such. Being like, okay, now we've got a dead animal. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying like, there's, there's feed, ways. There's not enough really well, to feed people. It doesn't replace the system, but it could make a vegan happy. It could be like, hey, we are making changes. Look, this is this now meat being consumed that is completely cruel. It is an accident. It is yeah. like we can attribute that its death wasn't, you know, whatever it is that the vegans tend to attribute. Well, I'm can, just trying you, to think outside the box, right? Yeah, that's not going to solve the, the meat consumption problem. But, you know, n nor is these fake meat burgers. These things are not healthy. No, no matter what it, anybody tries to pull and... What, like if they can clone meat, then we're talking a different story. If you're talking about lab created meat, but these vegan Beyond Meat things or whatever these things are, like come up with a name. You, what you're dealing with is monocrop agriculture, which is not good. It's not healthy. It's terrible for the topsoil. It's terrible for the environment. It's an unnatural environment to have one crop planted for thousands and thousands of acres. It's just not normal. It's not how things are supposed to be in the wild. And if you don't think that things die during the processing of those Those combines those and shit, those baby yeah. deers getting mulched up. I know, you know, like I have the arguments against the vegans. The shame of it all is I don't care to take it. I'm not a spokesperson for factory farming. I'm just not. Of course, I'm with you. I'm the same way. Yeah. Of course, I want to get. That's sourced. why antler is like protesting against <laughs> antler is so stupid. It made them famous. Yeah. It made them famous. Congratulations. Oh, and this is also, the other thing that pisses them off. It's also really good. It's a really good restaurant. It's one of my favorites. No question yeah. about that. It's, uh, you know, it's unfortunate because I agree with a lot of vegans on what, how they feel about animals and how they feel about, uh, particularly, again, factory farming, about animal cruelty. But I also look, I, you know, we've got some cold, hard realities in this country about pesticides, just what that does. Just, uh, look, I eat vegetables, I eat p fruits. Like, w what, what, is, what horrors are involved in the processing of millions and millions of pounds of avocados. What are the horrors that are involved in the processing of millions and millions of pounds of corn? And what you know about how the, many fucking animals are getting... Habitat displacement. I mean, forget about it. That's a lot of... That's a big problem. I mean, yeah. the farming removes... You know, and takes the habitat from these animals that are otherwise thriving. It's like... I get it. I, I, it's one of these deals where there is... 
there we need to find a happy medium and i think that's logic there just needs to be a, there needs to be a point where we can look at things logically and not attribute so much bias but i'm just as guilty as the next guy we'll tell you that marine lands a fucking hellhole and the next person will be like but i love marine lands i mean i get it we all have biases and whatnot uh i well, just I used feel to like take my kids to the zoo when they were little and they used to bum me out hardcore and uh i wrote about it years ago i wrote about it um in my blog i think i just called it animal prison because i was high as fuck and i went to went to the zoo and i was watching these chimps and i was just like this is just so strange it's so strange seeing these these chimps like trapped in this place when you realize like they have the intellect of like a four or five year old person i mean and here they are trapped in this horrible environment where people are just staring at them it's so like their their brains are not tuned in for that like the way an animal is if, if something's staring at them something with eyes in front of its head it's staring at them they're in danger that's a predator or that's someone challenging their just territory put yourself in that animals shoes for a moment and it took a pot cake or whatever it is that you went out and saw that and it's you know it, it takes people to have to you have to shed all the things that the industry has tried to convince you. Remember, they control the message. They had commercials. They had radio jingles. Well, it's not even whether or not they control it. It's just what's, what, what we're accustomed to. You know, we're accustomed to going to zoos. And my kids used to love it. And they, you know, when you're a little kid and you get a chance to see a giraffe, giraffes are the only animals that I've, I've said, I had a bit in my act about it. But, like, they don't seem to mind the zoo at all. Like, they're the only animal where... They'll let babies feed. I'll say the babies same thing about feed. seals and sea lions. They're just not, they don't require that much. I mean, if as long as you're not burning their eyes out with chemicals, you can really give them a life that, you know, they might not necessarily thrive, but they actually could. It wouldn't take, uh, it wouldn't take much of a, a small design of sorts to, to totally accommodate certain animals. And I'm not opposed to zoos that, that create an environment where the animals are capable of thriving. Now that's yeah. a rarity. It's right. you almost can have impossible. These large parks where these animals can move around, but I, I'm also with you with the big cat thing. Like you know, Texas has more tigers in captivity than, than all the wild of the world. You're in the big cat capital of the world. I was looking out the plane. I was looking for some cages. You might see yeah. some tigers. That's <laughs> like, crazy to think. You man. might see some fucking zebras. I can't believe we're in Texas right now. How crazy this is this? This place is wild, man. But it's also free. It's there's there's freedom here. That's it's it's a there's an interesting. Catch twenty two involved in that, like I, I see how the freedom is beneficial, and I see how it can be a problem. But I think the the problem should be worked out with discussion, not with laws. The problem should be worked out with morals and ethics, and people figuring out what makes you feel good and what makes you feel bad. You know, what's the right thing, what's the wrong thing to do? Not, not by some politicians and someone forcing you to do things. They're all paid for it, I hate to yeah. say it, but they are. I mean, you witness to that in the documentary. You see the, there's a senator that is doing every, isn't it, by the way, I'd love to make him famous again, Senator Don Pletton. In fact, the last time we were here, I gave him the, you know, I flipped him a proper bird because of every which way that Marine Line tried to buy him to actually, in every which way, thwart democracy because this is a law that was, that was widely supported in every which way this man tried to kill it. And I want to say one thing. I'm now traveling from Canada to to the states, and I'm getting a lot of a lot of grief for it because it's COVID times, and people are saying, you know, you're not supposed to do that. Now I, I'm COVID free. Uh, we know this to be the fact. I, you know, I've got a bunch of different uh, laws that come into place. In fact, tomorrow now I got to take a COVID test within 72 hours of arriving to Canada. I got to quarantine for two weeks. But didn't Senator Don Plett, who right before Christmas went and told everyone, "Don't travel, don't visit your family," didn't that motherfucker pack up and go to Mexico? 
Did he? Yes, he did. And just two days ago, the article came out. So I am smiling ear to fucking ear that I can There's talk about it right so here. So many of these. Fuck these guys. Hypocrites. Dude. There's so many of them. There's so many of them. And it's, and you know, th- what's funny is how they try to hide it. They're all, uh, I mean, some of them. How are, do you hide it? Dude, I would one guy like was a... in the, one guy, the, 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 I don't want to get this wrong, but the Ontario, I believe it, it Someone in the Ontario legislature that was high, I believe it was like in a, a finance minister of sorts. I just don't want to get the title wrong. He was actually in front of a fucking screen with like Christmas bullshit behind him and you could hear the waves crashing behind him. Was, <laughs> and and it, it went viral. And he, <laughs> really? He, yeah. And oh. he was number two. He's the number two person in, in the Ontario legislature, which is province of Canada. He, he had to step down. He had to, there he was had to quit. Waves there was the waves in the background. In fact, the video's out there. You can hear the waves. You're like, come on. Bro, they busted the mayor of Austin. The mayor of Austin told people now is not the time to relax while he was in Cabo. He made this video in Cabo when he flew on a private jet (laughs) with eight other people. Now is not the time to relax, but I'm relaxing, bitch. Airports are empty. (laughs) I've never flown so smoothly. I've never had. I'm just saying I'm not the problem. They're up. They're up. Anyways. Anyways, if you if you get a chance to go and tell Don Senator Don Pledge to go fuck himself on on Twitter, I I know that he'd be most appreciative, especially I would be most appreciative. That guy deserves it. What was his argument for trying to keep these parks open? What was the argument for trying to stop this bill that was going to ban dolphin and whale and porpoise captivity? That's a conversation has to, that you have to have with him and probably Marineland's then owner and uh, maybe lawyer. I don't know what incentivized him to do it. But, I, feel, uh, I feel for him to be in the situation where someone's pressuring you to do that. Don't. He's a... I will. I will say he's just a. He's that piece of shit. He just well, is. I don't. He always has I don't. Been. I don't know him, but yeah. I, I honestly do feel for anybody that's put in the position by their, whether you say constituents or special interests. Or he's whatever. like a staunch conservative, so I think he see he saw this again. He was going with Marineland that this was a uh, activist driven agenda and that it was like my fucking law and that and that my credibility needed to be le- they tried to attribute they tried to say that i was full of listen i will say this in everything that don plett said about me which marine land said he was protected because in the in the legislature you can say what you will and you are free of any legal, legal ramifications if he had said any of the fucking things he said to me outside of that as a private citizen i could take his fucking pension i'd sue his fucking brains out but i can't so the guy's savvy in the way that he does and says the things that he does mm. so it's just a big game to them it's like they're just people out there whose role is to fuck shit up and Marineland found the right guy and he tried but we won but mm. we won it's just I, I really do believe that when history looks back on these days where people had dolphins and whales in captivity they they will they will look back on it in a very similar way to the way we look at slavery or you know like imagine if aliens came from another planet and they they didn't understand what the fuck we're saying, so they just decided to put us in captivity. I mean, the way... Is there an argument that that may have already happened? I mean, <laughs> I'm worried. This is probably a hotspot for aliens. I mean, I walk out that door. If there's ever a chance of getting beamed up, it may happen. Texas? Walk out no, this studio. No, no. This studio? If the aliens are watching anyone, Joe, I think it's you. They're like, he's getting close. <laughs> he's bringing people close. He's, he's telling people about us. Well, I've basically been having top-level UFO discussions on this, conversa- on this podcast once a month. You've That's had my my plan. Oh, is it? Yeah, my plan is to you're at the have forefront. As many as many high level people that really understand what's going on with UFOs. No bullshit artists. I've had bullshit artists on before, but you know you don't. In the beginning of the podcast, I didn't really think that there was like legitimate UFO discussions to be had. I thought that was all bullshit. It was just fun. But as time has gone on, and now the 
New York Times publishes things. The Pentagon comes out and talks about things, and they they've released these videos. And there's are you going to have a pilot on? Did you already have the pilot? on? Yeah, I've had David Fravor on. Okay, David Fravor, who was the guy who saw the right. TikTok. I watched the f- footage of it. Yeah, his podcast with me was great, but I, I always recommend his podcast with my friend Lex Friedman, which I think is incredible. It's a, it's a long term discussion of not just why it is impossible that that thing was anything other than a craft of super superior intelligence. Not it was that it was impossible for that thing to be a mirage. It actively blocked radar. They tried to track it. It went from somewhere above 60. I think it was they, they tracked it initially at 80,000 feet above sea level, and it got down to one feet above sea level in less than a second. So in the blip of a radar, it went from 60,000 feet to one. They, there's so many things that are attributed to this, this craft that can't be explained. So let me ask you this. Does this make you nervous in some way? Does it make you feel as though we are vulnerable to a level that we'd never considered before? Because if there's this level of technology, there's got to be weapons out there. There's got to be some bad players. I mean, what the hell is going on that there's this things coming around? necessarily the case. Is that attributed only to humans? Is that this is what we, we fucking do? Because that's well, the first thing we would do is probably attack a fucking alien. Not necessarily. No? We don't attack chimps. You know, uh, I don't, I don't, enough. I don't think it's necessarily something that we would do in terms of, uh, or they would do rather in terms of like using weapons on us. I think it, I think it would be too easy. I, I don't think they're interested in that. I think they're probably interested in making sure that we don't fuck up the planet. It's so crazy. This they're conversation. Probably, we're having. They're probably interested it. in us figuring our way through this adolescence of our evolution. Cause that's what I think we're in. I think we're, we were in this period where we were lower primates and then we were warring, and now we've gotten to this position where we're communicating with each other in this unprecedented manner, where we're using, whether it's social media or the internet or all, all these various apps, we're ex- exchanging information, and some people are manipulating that, and some people are distorting the truth, and some people are trying to push their own agenda. But I think ultimately this is like a period of time that we're going to pass through till we get to an era of pure information where deception is not possible. That means language has got to go. There's got to be a deeper understanding because well, we lose so much in yes, language and translation. You're right. You're right. And I think that's going to happen. And Elon Musk is actually working towards that with Neuralink. And I don't think that's something that a lot of people want to accept because, look, language can be beautiful. Like some, someone's saying something to you, like an, a, an email or a, 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 a letter that someone writes you that touches you deeply or something someone says to you, looking you in the eye and holding your hand and tells you how much they, you care about them. And you know they've put thought and time into formulating their words in a way that's going to deeply impact you. All that is like very meaningful for people. Prose is meaningful. Literature is meaningful. You read a great book and... Cursive writing is gone. That's crazy. You cursive that bullshit. No, but it was still an art. I mean, there were some people that that, that was their craft. It really was. Uh, yeah, well, so is calligraphy. You want to bring that back? Here's the thing. Scribbling your name on one of those iPads when you buy something. I just did me, one. It's, it's so I just silly. did it for you. And I looked at it and said, fuck, that's a nice signature. It's so, <laughs> it's so silly. You're using your finger and oh, making it. your mark. You know, it's it's kind of funny. It's uh, it is kind of funny that we we still have signatures. But I again, I think these are a part. These things are a part of the adolescent stage of our our evolution. Our, our moving away from our primitive ways. I mean, think about the things that are at the forefront right now. We're, we're arguing about things that are very important for some people, but ultimately, we should we shouldn't have real issues in regards to. 
the way people look or race or uh, where people are from or all these things. I think we're just we're, we're we have like these battles that we're sorting out. And I have real confidence in human beings. I'm an optimist ultimately, and I think that we're going to sort through all these things. Whether or not we do it in my lifetime is up for debate. And we'll see. I think we can. I think we. I think we do it a lot more rapidly than people think. Well, we're definitely th speeding up evolution very quickly. I mean, you can see it. That uh, I mean, you just see it every which way and every which. But our biology place. is hampering the process. See, technology is moving so much faster than our our wetware. It's moving so much faster than our tissue and our. our right. We're stuck in these bodies that are virtually the same bodies that existed ten thousand years ago. Other than you know. A few variations and changes. There's not much difference between you and a ten thousand year old person. If you if you got a guy from ten thousand years ago and you dressed him up right and and sat him down in a movie theater, if you could go to a movie theater, that motherfucker would be indistinguishable. You'd walk right past him with your popcorn. You'd sit right down. You wouldn't really know. And we we are real similar to that person. But that person lived in a time where no one knew jack shit. I mean, it was it was a confusing world, and there was constant war, and people were coming over, and they were warring with fucking bows and arrows and swords and spears and 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 beating people over the heads and killing them with rocks and and rape was commonplace and infanticide was commonplace. It was all normal. We 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 have the same tissue as those people, but yet we have. These supercomputers in our pocket that can transport video from a, on the from the other side of the planet. You could have a, a, a FaceTime video with someone. You could have a Zoom call with someone from the UK and have perfect video and audio. You know, you could you, be on a beach somewhere with yeah. the waves crashing by. <laughs> <laughs> and well, you can try to screen. convince people that you're in front of a fireplace with candy canes. What an asshole! <laughs> The fact that he thought he could do oh, that it's so is so funny. Dude. I love it. Well, it's so callous, too, as if, like, just sit there and fucking tell people, don't do this, don't do well, this, and then do it yourself. I but mean, that... there's a lesson in that, and the lesson is honesty. Honesty is, like, really, 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 really fucking important because you don't have to do it. You know, you don't have to be honest. So when someone is honest, it resonates with people very deeply. It's something that I try to be more than almost any. I try to be nice. That's number one. I always try to be nice. And sometimes I'm not. I try to be nice. Sometimes, you know, you catch people in weird moods. People, we exist in these wave patterns. We're not like a flat plane. We're like the ocean. We have waves, and we, sometimes we're flat, and sometimes it's beautiful. Sometimes it's chaos. But I think your intent should always kind of like, like who, who do you think you are? Who, who do you want to be? I want to be a nice person. I want to per be a person that people like to see, and they want to hug when they see. And I want to hug you when I see you. That, those, these are my intentions to be an honest person that is a, a deep intention with me to recognize my own failings to to recognize my my shortcomings my failures I, all those things are important it's humility when and there's when, so much to it but there's also it's like we all know we all know that we're just human and humans are just imperfect creatures so when someone tries to that's that's one of the problems we have with politicians they're not talking like us they're not talking like a person they talk like something that's not real. Not they, relatable. They, they, that's a thing. Exactly. But it's this thing. They settle into this fucking top 40 radio DJ voice. And they, they, they put on this act. Yeah. They're not the humans that you think they are. They're, they're, they're the right. humans when they go home and they do their thing. But those are within walls that you don't see. Yeah. Because that is all we know. That's Listen, this is the only reason. One of the big reasons why Trump was so successful. Because he presented... He had a presentation that was different than what we were accustomed to. We were accustomed to standard political discussion, standard political talk. 
and he he presented something differently we're we're accustomed to this certain level of bullshit and when something comes along and doesn't have that level of bullshit we're like oh look at that and more people than not recognize his real problems in his presentation his real problems in what it represents his real problems with what it reinforces and who gets excited about it and you know and when you're trying to win you know like like he was you tap into fear you tap into the 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 bad aspects of uh, people's hopes and desires but i think ultimately what resonates with people is authenticity and there's not a lot of that out there as weird as it seems because for the longest time as humans it didn't benefit you to be authentic it benefited you to be a bullshit artist can i say that in many ways that people say like how the fuck can it be that me some small town like let's just call it what it is like i shouldn't be here how the fuck do you know and are friends with the likes of joe rogan i say i think the thing that joe appreciates of me is that i'm not any of those things that you just said yeah. i am just that fucking guy and i think that the the gift of our friendship is such that you get to look at me and be like, I don't have to be friends with people that are something. I like this fucking guy. I like what he brings to the fucking table. Well, I don't think that much about like what a person is in, um, you know, I, I think about, I don't mean my level of judgment of any, I just think that, th that what, what I think you get from me is that level of, of humanity from a level that, you know, my life is different than most people you have here. It just is, right? They have, the people that you typically have here are like, they, they have long reach and they have these. Not necessarily. I don't really have a typical person I have here, which is one of the reasons why this show has been successful. Well, I mean, I see the celebrities and shit. I mean, I'm sitting in yeah, a seat that Maynard Kanye was sitting in. I'm yeah. like, holy fuck, man. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to absorb a fart here. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> But they're not all, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. I have, have uh, different people on all the time. I think um, I, the, the beauty of not having a boss, not having a person who tells me who's going to be on is that I can have whoever I want to be on. So I literally can have on, as long as they're willing, people that I want to talk to. Can I say that I think that that's the thing that people really appreciate about you the most is that you're going about life the way you fucking want it and you get it done the way you fucking choose and there is nothing greater in life than grabbing it by the fucking balls and, and going for those reaches that you didn't imagine possible and that's the thing that I want to talk to people about when something was a dream first because mm. this was a dream first and here I am. But did, for me this was never a dream. This is what's the most fucked up thing about it. I never had a dream that I was going to be a podcast Maybe not in a podcast, Post. but at some point you had a dream when you were... Uh... I just wanted to be a professional comic. Seriously. Everything else just happened along the way. I guess the same could be said uh, about me just wanting to speak out against Marineland. I mean, I would have never imagined that I'd be, A, sitting here having this conversation with you, uh, smoking weed on Mike Tyson's podcast. I mean, working <laughs> in, the, in the legislature with people. Oh, my God. What do you mean? <laughs> isn't it, it? Be, I know, but being in the room with him, isn't it surreal? try to be me in the room with him like that. And you say sitting next to Tyson is sort of like sitting next to a tiger. No, that was what uh, Kevin, would Kevin Hart say that? Mm, no. no, Kevin Lee, Kevin, Kevin Lee, Lee said that Kevin Lee said it was like, it's literally like sitting next to a tiger. You're like, Oh shit. Um, and Kevin Hart said he was like a pit bull with no leash. It's, he was a hero of mine when I was a kid. I have a, a framed poster in a, a framed uh, cover of Sports Illustrated in my office that Sports Illustrated recently was so nice to send me. Is that this one? Where from Kid Dynamite. Up? Yeah, uh, Kid Dynamite when he was 19 years old. Love it. Man, I remember seeing that cover. 
I can remember to this day because I was a little younger than him. I was like 18 at the time. And I, I was like, wow. Like, imagine being that guy. Like, the guy that everybody says is the fucking man, the upcoming heavyweight that everybody wants to watch. 18, 19 years old. Yeah. Can you imagine the weight of the world? You know, the thing Crazy. I like about Mike Tyson, both beyond his humility at this point, is that, you know, Mike Tyson is Mike Tyson. When we look at him, we see Mike Tyson, but that's not how he sees himself. He right. sees himself as Alexander the fucking great. He sees himself as this great warrior. He was asked in his last fight, you know, what would become what, what, what would be, what would become if you had lost? And he said, losing was never at any point in my fucking mind. Man, that's an inspiration. I think about that too. People look at me, they say, they see Phil Demers, but I don't see Phil Demers. Who the fuck's Phil Demers? I don't see. I see in a mirror, if you will, but in my head. Now I'm looking to do, I, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to attribute some of the things that I feel like, but yeah. In the strangest way, I feel like uh, in order for me to, to dig to get that level of energy and when I have to convince myself or believe that I am something other than Phil Demers, you know, it's kind of a weird thing. It's in the same way that Mike Tyson has to look at and believe himself to be something greater. So what do you, you think that. of yourself as like a champion for good or something like that? Like, how do you think? Of well, that? there's a Neil Young song that's called Cortez the Killer. And they say he comes dancing across the water. What a killer. I, I like to think that I'm Cortez the Killer. But no, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, you know. In the same, in in speaking of where it is that you ask that I come get my energy from, I guess it's, and it's the thing that causes a lot of feel fatigue for some, because they see this as something that is almost <laughs> I love a sickness. How you use feel fatigue. As well, this, it's like, real. Condition. It's just real. I get it. I'm an asshole. I mean, it's, I admit talk it. Talk about podcast. it like it's herpes. <laughs> Don't catch it, dude. Don't <laughs> but catch it's it. No antibiotics takes care of it. <laughs> Maybe a little pot. <laughs> but it's so funny how you have it as like this disease that you can have. I don't, I mean, I have it. Like arthritis. Some people have arthritis. Some people have fill fatigue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the filmmaker does currently. Sorry, Nat. <laughs> I get it. Does she? It's, uh, it's no easy, it's no picnic. Well, you have to be obsessed to be willing to go through the battle that you've gone through for so long. And that's how you get shit done. That's un unfortunate. Like, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine recently about Michael Jordan's press conference when he uh, when he was uh, in, inducted into the Hall of Fame, and he's mad at all the sportscasters who said stupid shit about him, all the writers who were wrong. Like this guy's literally the greatest basketball player of all time in human history, and he's getting recognized for that. And he's still like, man, fuck you and fuck you. Because I can't help myself either, dude. I get that's it. That's what it I is, man. It. You, I, I, I think there's this mindset of achievement, and your mindset of achievement is based on fucking over Marine Land and closing down what you think is this unjust, insanely cruel institution and getting back your walrus. And this... This fucking mindset that's required to achieve something that most people, I mean, you talk about fill fatigue, just what about life fatigue, man? Life battle fatigue. People get that. In order to, to be able to, to be a person like you, to put this battle up for so long, I mean, I've known you for eight fucking years and you've been doing it longer than that. That's a long ass time. There's an argument that I've been fighting for. And again, I was deemed a problem employee before I left. I've been doing this for a decade now. That's fucking crazy, man. I can't even believe it. And you know, the first time we met, I was probably 60 pounds heavier. I was, uh, you know. I, and you, you attribute that to stress? Like you're not like. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. So it's odd. I attribute it to my mindset. And, and I don't know that it's right or wrong. But again, I've been on my back for three months. You know, by all means, I should have gained some weight. It's as if I'd gained muscle somehow. So explain that to me. I don't know that I can. But uh, I think that my level of anxiety and, and because I've been in, in fight, of the fight or flight and flight imagine that's um, for so long that just the enduring high energy stress 
has reduced my body and just left me super lean. And, uh, you know, I almost feel as though my mind is trying to turn me into a fighter. Like it sounds crazy, but it, it, it's all I'm doing is fighting. I'm not. Well, your body probably doesn't understand why you're not fighting. Your body's probably like, this dude is so stressed out. He's going to go to war any second now. And, it, and I haven't punched anything yet. <laughs> yeah, I get you, it. You know what I'm saying? Because in, in biological terms. Look, my veins are starting to pop out now. Like, I, <laughs> It takes me nothing. I get goosebumps. Like, I start to ramp up. I get sweaty. Like, It's crazy. I do have a level of psyching myself up that is different than most. Uh, I was on a, a reality TV show called Wipeout Canada. It was similar to Wipeout, which is the one where you jump across the red balls and yeah, whatnot. The people that produced uh, Fear Factor produced That's it. right. Matt so what, Kunitz. That's yeah. Uh, Shout out to Matt. An endemol, I think it was endemol. Yeah, yeah. I, so I was on that show and uh, and I and I won. And every person on that show, you would, won Wipeout. I won Wipeout. Yeah, dude, congratulations. Yeah. No, congratulate my lawyer. He got all the money. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I used to. I got so uh, there was a time. Well, I just want to back up just real quick. What about, year was this? It's got to be 2010 or 11. It was right before I quit because I got the check. It was fifty thousand, which was tax free in this, in Canada, and uh, I lasted less than a year. Check deposit. Thank no you, shit. Wipeout Canada, 2011. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Holy fuck. Hey, you can dig deep. That's amazing. <laughs> like you spelled check like a fucking communist. Uh, I'm a French dude. I can't get away from it. <laughs> but in any event, all the people that, that had met me during that time, they were just like, you know, you were not on the radar for winning this thing. I mean, I was against some young athletes and all these other things, but I had this fucking mindset, my dude. Like, I was Are just not going to fucking lose this thing. And I had to win it. And I won. I got my check. And Did then, someone uh, die on Wipeout recently? I heard, I did read something I like that. I think someone right. died. A heart attack. It's is very real, happened? dude. I, I showed up in Argentina. That's what that was filmed. And the first thing I saw was a guy in a cast like this. And I looked at him and he goes, it's real. It's very real. I'm like, holy fuck. Wait a minute. You were in Argentina? That's, that's where, where they, they filmed, filmed Wipeout, Wipeout Canada? Yeah, they rent the, Wipeout anything. At the time, you, I, I mean, there's there's some courses in, uh, I believe, California. Maybe they, they yeah, built well, some. Yeah, well, they used to do it in California because they used to do it at the same ranch where we were filming some Fear Factor So that would have been after. No, 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 no. This was early while I was doing Fear Factor. Early. Still, oh, okay. They're still doing Wipeout. So, I, so I that, feel like what was the first season of Wipeout in North America? I believe Matt was doing it and Endemol was doing it while... Because my friend John Henson was John the Henson, narrator. John Henson, yes. Classic name. He's a commenter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's a comic writer. He was the guy. He was the guy yeah. who was uh, one of the spokesperson on the show. Yeah, he was the commenter. The... the, the mm-hmm. uh, He's a commentator. He was the, the U of the UFC. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. essentially a color commentator, and uh, John was a stand-up, and John was also the host of uh, Soup Talk Soup. Okay, right on uh, on E. Okay, John's been around for a long time, and uh, he was the guy that was doing it for uh, Endemol, and they were doing something because I remember seeing the course, and I want to say it was out in. Like Santa Clarita or some shit like that? Sable Ranch. Sable Ranch, yeah, that's where Santa Clarita, that's where we used to film Fear Factor. I think <laughs> so that place crazy. got fucked up by the fires. Yeah. Did it? Yeah, that's Wipeout. That's the setup that they had. Because I remember I was going to work. I was like, oh, this is cool. They got Wipeout set up here too. So in Argentina, the way that it was, at least that, that I learned of it, is that was a place where you could uh, work. People different- could die and you could throw them in the ocean. <laughs> you forget well, about <laughs> What year was the first season of Wipeout? In the United States. Let's see if we can find that out. I want to say 2005. Eight. Eight. Oh, okay. So it wasn't while I must have gone back and seen it. 
because Fear Factor ended in 2007, but I do remember seeing the set. Because they went right from Fear Factor to this, right? This was the yeah, sort of Yeah, well, the, maybe they were filming when we were filming our last season and they didn't air it until 2008. Maybe it's one of those deals. Because sometimes, you know, you, you, you film like eight, ten of episodes course. and then they air like a couple of months later. But in Argentina, they, I just remember there were signs being changed. One day it's Wipeout Canada, the next day it's Wipeout this country, Wipeout this. It seemed as if production companies were renting and then uh, tailoring it to whatever that they chose kind of thing. So Wipeout Canada was not was filmed in uh, Argentina. And it's crazy because uh, it's fucking cold, man. I ran that uh, final, the final run at midnight, and I was the last guy to run. So I just remember that was a long fucking day. It was like midnight and I'm in a booth and they're just like, okay, you're the last guy to go. You're going to run. And I'm just like, I got to fucking win this thing. I got to fucking win this. What thing. did you have to do? Is there a video of it, Jamie? Oh, it's, a, it's episode one. If you look bitches. up Wipeout Canada episode one, they, they, they made took it, it off premiere. YouTube. Oh, okay. Now I know what happened. What happened was I had come back in 2011. I came back for six episodes of Fear Factor in 2011. That was when it famously got canceled because we made people drink cum. Animal come or human come? Animal come. What are we, fucking savages? I was going to say, human come. No big deal. I, mean, I wouldn't, but I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on who's come. You know? Like, okay. Try to get people to drink a, a There's gallon. There's a scale. A gallon of Trump's come. Wait, it, was it a gallon? And we talked no, about. No, it was a large glass, though. It was yeah, like it's too much. It's, at least a, a liter. It seems the appropriate time to end the show, maybe. Well, uh, there was one of the rare times where I told the people, don't do this. Because uh, I was not when I, if I'm the voice of reason, you got a real fucking problem. On <laughs> and, when, and maybe then, because I imagine you've come a long ways since then, in, in what yeah. is shocking and not, or what is accepting or not. Yeah, for sure. But in 2011, hey, there he doing? is. Look at look at that. There's a big boy there. Hey, <laughs> look at know. you, man. Oh, so I won that. I won that, and then I skipped automatically to the finals, which is great. But look at me, dude. I want to throw up right now. I'm, I'm kind of big. I'm on Valium. I'm not sleeping well. I'm drinking You're too on much. Valium? Why were yeah, you on Valium? Yeah, it's just like uh, prescription meds for depression and lack of sleep and everything. And uh, Really? And then right there, a fucking guy <clears> spun me. <throat> I remember right here, I'm looking back at them. They're drinking beers at the top. I'm like, you fuckers. Like, I'm in to win 50K. You spin me. You mother, and then that's it. It's go time, baby. Well, why were you on? Was this because of the stress from this dealing was, with Marineland? No. So me being able to be on the show, I applied. I woke up one morning, hung over a shit, and I see a fucking. I was watching Seinfeld, and then a commercial comes on, and says be on Wipeout. I knew I was going to be on. I was a walrus mom. How fucking tough is it going to be to get on this show? They had me on. I applied. They didn't even. They didn't even bother with a. Um, an audition. They had me up there, and then I was in with. Uh, Why with didn't the they press. bother with an audition? I went to the audition, but they had me as already uh, listed as on. So I was I was there to be a member of the press to just talk about the film. So I, I was on just by virtue of applying. This is wild. It's wild to watch. Is this Did, show done? It shows done. Yeah, they, I mean they still show. They things. should bring this bitch back. This is Dude, fun. Right here, you wouldn't know it. <laughs> I fucking hurt my back. I couldn't walk for weeks after this. Oh my god! And then right about here, I climbed the ladder. I'm listening. I'm in my head. I'm listening to Maynard going, "Keep going." And now I'm like, "Okay, I gotta keep fucking going. I gotta win this thing." And right here, I do what's called the double tramp, untouched in all of Wipeout Canada. He did it. What and do you now, mean? No one does that. Everyone jumps very uh, politely on one trampoline and then does the other one. Here, I inadvertently say, show me the money. I want to say, give me the money. <laughs> well, that's okay. Show me the money is like from the movie. I brush off the fucking sweat. I do my backflip. Oh, by the way, I briefly throw up underwater. <laughs> <laughs> Unshown. <laughs> 
you'll see my look when she when when this woman uh calls me the winner you'll see the relief in my fucking head because this is beyond just winning who's this, the guy on the left is your competitor uh, he was a good dude yeah he was a yogi out of bc this dude this dude should have mopped the floor with me man but i just i just dug deep and that's what everyone said to me they said you never struck us as the athlete where the fuck did that come from but uh less than 20 or maybe an, maybe an hour before i started doing this odd look at this i'm fucking loving on everyone obviously canadian <laughs> I'll tell you another story. This is I, I, there was a time when I could never tell this, but I'm in the booth with the four other people that are that are supposed to run the finals. You know, the winner gets fifty thousand. I say to the to the three others, ten thousand, ten thousand, ten thousand, ten thousand. Winner gets twenty. Let's fucking do it. Everyone split it up. They look at each other. You know, we weren't allowed. I said, right. we, don't, we don't say anything. We wait a year. No one forgets. We cut each other our fucking checks. We all win. They said no. I fuck it, I gotta win. <laughs> wow. You I did to, offer, that's a fact. Yeah, I tried did. to cut it up. Yeah, I just, I didn't want, I mean, 50,000 or nothing. I'll take 10. They do that in pool tournaments. Yeah. I imagine they do it in poker. I imagine they do it just about everywhere. Who wants yeah, to suffer they, a they net loss? Yeah, they cut up the money. That's a, that's a big thing in pool tournaments. Yeah. It just seemed fair. I, I, anyways, I, I did win and uh, I consider that a blessing just as well because that is what launched my journey. It's what gave me the money to be able to afford lawyers. So when I quit less than a year after that, um, and Marineland started suing me and everyone around me. I started cutting 5,000 checks for everybody. Wow. When did you get on hot boxing with Mike Tyson? I was in LA. It was like the next day after being here, the last time we were here. Oh, yeah. I did, did we talk about it? Did yeah, you well, do I, it? I, I talked about the fact that I was going to do it. And uh, yeah, Oops. we did. And it was fucking, dude, I can't. Okay. The only thing that I do regret is when Mike Tyson says the word walrus, it doesn't sound like that. So there was some confusion <laughs> as to me saying, what, what war? He's like, war or something. And I'm like, what war? War? I'm like, oh, walrus. I'm like, oh, dude. <laughs> Joe, this is uh, the time of the podcast where I point to the walrus dick on your on your uh, yes. table that I identified, which I'm actually quite proud of because I don't know that I've ever actually physically seen a walrus dick before, but I knew about him. It is a fossilized walrus penis. Uh, Frank Von Hippel gave it to us, right? Yeah. Um, a real scientist. In accordance to the laws that were passed in Canada, I could not ship you that. Really, the law that you helped pass, yeah. Well, that would good. that would be considered I biological. I didn't want it. He gave it to me. It's here because he's a nice guy. Do people touch it? I've refused. I've touched it. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Steve Ranella recognized it immediately. He's the only other person besides you that recognized it immediately. But he didn't recognize it as a walrus dick. But he knew it as a dick. He knew it as a dick. What is the the term for that? A baculum. A baculum. Yeah, he knew it was a baculum. Yeah, I've seen them uh, from smaller animals. I'll tell you a story. I've told you before. I will reiterate here, but that dick poses a big problem to uh, walruses, both in the wild and captivity, because when they climb over things, the weight that they're bearing as they climb over, that dick gets caught and that dick gets ripped off and ripped out and those wal those male walruses bleed out to death. A lot of them, huh? Yeah. It's an actual problem. It's like a cause of death. I don't want to call it common, but it happens. It happens. I it's awful. It's really awful. And it happens in captivity. It has happened in captivity. Well, I can imagine. Can you, can you sew it back on? No? It sounds like my guess is that's not ever been successfully done. <laughs> my guess. I've not yeah. heard about that yet. It's no. probably a safe guess. Yeah, it's a weird thing to have, right? But I'm glad human beings don't have bones for dicks because we'd be fucking more than we are. Why do yeah. we call them boners John and not blood? John back instead of the guy from Wu Tang, remember? Say that again? John Bobbitt got his sewn back on, right? John Babbitt. Bobbitt. Yeah, yeah, he's got it. He got the top. Oh, of his he got his that guy from Wu Tang yeah. we talked about. Oh, that's right. He got he his got, sewn back on as yeah. well. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, the RZA talked about that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, mm -hmm. talked about the guy went crazy. What? Why did he go crazy again? Yeah. Something happened. I think humans call boners boners because they sound less gross than blutters. I get it. 
Well, because it seems like a bone. Like it gets hard like a bone with, when you're the appropriate person. You imagine, hey, you got a blutter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, but it seems, no bone, but. It does seem like a bone and it gets really hard. But we're lucky we don't have an actual bone because there would be even more of us. I mean, we're already like rats on a sinking ship. There's eight billion people. Imagine how many billions there would be if we had bones for dicks. It's evident that our overpopulation is becoming a problem. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I can't know the answer, of course, but what the fuck becomes of this world if we just keep going down the road of overpopulating? It's of weird. I had Matthew Iglesias on the podcast, who was a founder of Vox. And uh, I don't think he made a particularly compelling argument for it, but he wrote a book about a billion Americans. And his idea is that in order for America to become to stay successful and competitive and for us to get over our problems, we actually need more people. The same will be said about Canada. I mean, just by virtue of employment and everything, we need immigration. We're a small place. It's kind of a crazy thing to think about, but the economy needs more people. But should we be basing everything we need on the fucking economy? But that seems to be the argument. Yeah, but the, can but the Canada argument is different because, first of all, Canada only has 20 million people. There's less people in California than there is in Canada. There's less people in Los Angeles, most likely, if you counted all the illegals, then there is in Canada. Canada is a different animal, but Canada leads the world in, first of all, they legalize marijuana nationwide. Thank you. Salute to Canada. As My much other as I fight. pick on Justin Trudeau Dude. of being uh, too handsome to run a country, he is. Uh, he, I, I salute the fact that they pulled that off. And then the fact that they've also banned dolphin, orca, and porpoise captivity. They're, they're ahead of us morally in that way. I think, and and also righteously, like the the idea that you could put someone in a fucking cage, and there's people in the cages right now in America that were locked up for nonviolent drug offenses. It's yeah, like that is a type of slavery. I what? really do believe it is. I, I I think there's a real argument that what we're doing right now with the amount of people that are in prison in this country is fucking insane. They're making money, not the prisoners, but yeah. there's a there's a there's a whole complex that is making money off that. It's We're so using fucked, man. human beings awful, like awful, awful. batteries. They're like batteries to generate income. They're and, batteries to generate currency. And the fight that those individuals have to try to endure to even get that freedom is, I can't imagine the exasperation of being somewhere. I, I mean, it's it's similar to captivity. You think about it. You're in a place you just shouldn't be. It's just not justified for a crime. Well, you know, I mean, look, I do think we have to protect society from murderers and rapists, from people that want to kill people and rape people and victimize people. I think there's a difference there, but there's no real indication that there's any can, actual effort that's put into rehabilitating people or how you could rehabilitate people. But, but incarcerating someone for smoking or... No, oh, it's pop, fucking nonsense. Shit, it's, just, it's too much. I mean, There's it's, a lot of shit. Look, look, you know, there's also a good argument for people like Bernie Madoff. Maybe that motherfucker should be in jail. You know, people that have ruined people's lives and, and taken away all people's savings. I mean, maybe, maybe protecting society from someone like that and incarcerating someone like that is oh that would be so nice <laughs> I mean that you're not a basketball player it's okay <laughs> dude you I'm terrible kicked, you should have kicked that thing I play right horse with my kids my, my daughter's 10 she beat me at horse I'm fucking awful at basketball can I ask you a question about the documentary <laughs> and uh, whether or not it would be children appropriate what are your thoughts on that I, I know your kids uh, they like the sure, dolphins they sure. had a pretty yeah I would show my kids that I, I was curious about that because I, I was even in, almost half had a mind to say maybe your kid could watch or your kids could, I don't know I didn't want to I didn't want to I, I just don't know yeah no 100%. They I should mean, see it. People should see it. Children should see it. They should know how awful it is. 
You know, like I said, my kids liked the zoo. They, they liked it when they were little babies. They liked the zoo because, you know, you would see an animal that, you know, they couldn't believe. Like, kids see a photo of an animal and they have this idea of what an animal is. But then all of a sudden a rhino's in front of you. Like, <gasps> you know, see a little two-year-old that's in your arms and they're freaking out. It's fun. But I did feel guilty supporting those things. But there's also a thing that, like, they do in some ways protect populations of these animals from extinction because you know these animals there's there are animals that are in captivity that are extremely endangered in the wild well and that's a weird thing about texas too we'll get back to freedom right there's an animal called an oryx in the wild oryxes are virtually extinct in texas you can hunt them you can hunt them you can go have an oryx steak you and i could go we can go to like the wild ranch we can go whack an oryx, grill that motherfucker up. It would be delicious. And there's no ethical quandary about that. Like, there's a, a more than sustainable population. In fact, that population has to be managed. So unless you want to bring in wolves, like, you, you really have to do something to control the populations because they're going to breed. It makes a strange argument when it is hunters that are promoting the very environments that that the animals thrive in. They're the ones at the forefront of, of, uh, of, of protecting the environments where these animals thrive. I, you know, it's, it's, a, real it's an argument I do wish that the vegans would consider when you're just like, but these people's money and their work go towards this. It's like uh, they're doing more for you, for the animals than you trying to abolish things. Like, I get it. I mean, that doesn't, that's not attributed to a place like fucking Marine Land, but there are places doing things that, you know, an argument can be made that uh, the benefits outweigh uh you know the, the 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 cruelty, if you will, if there's when that's when that's obviously in the well, Africa is the weirdest example of that, and the most human example. And by human, I mean like there's there's human problems, and I, I I've talked about these many times that are they're just they're particularly human in that they're so complicated and messy, and one of them is wildlife in Africa, because wildlife in Africa there's at least pre-COVID and pre um, uh, Cecil the lion. Once they, they, that guy shot Cecil the lion, it became this worldwide thing. He did it again, by the way. He went back hunting. What? Yeah, he did. He shot another lion? I don't know that he shot a lion, but he did go back hunting. He was busted hunting. And it didn't get quite the... When you uh, say busted, it's legal. No, I know. But you know what I mean? Like the people, they, you would think that given the fallout of, of how this went, you'd think that they, it, the dude would be deterred, at least, at least enough to keep it from getting leaked out to the public, but undeterred. He kept well, they going. had to assassinate. I mean, I'm, I'm using that term. It's not the right term, but they had to euthanize a bunch of lions because they were destroying the ungulate population because no one was going over there to hunt the lions anymore. Right. It's weird, man. It's not, it's not clean. It's not clean. It's messy. You know, it's like abortion. Like abortion's a messy discussion. It's a human discussion. Like I think a woman should have the right to choose. I'm I'm a pro-choice person. I'm a left-wing pro-choice person. It's your body, right? I mean, yeah, I, I, who I, else is it? Uh, especially in in, in rape cases or in cases of a young girl who makes a mistake or even a woman who just doesn't want to have that child but the th the thing about abortion where it gets messy is the term the term like when you get into a, a viable sustainable fetus like what what do you do then like when it's six months old when it's seven months old you know yeah, when does consciousness start well what is when is when does it become murder when, when does it stop being a cluster of cells and start being a human being it's a very human 
problem. The difficulty, and, I think, is when we when humans go to manage things that are just not ourselves. Yeah. It's one thing to govern yourself, but when you try to govern others, govern other species, govern the environment, govern things that we don't necessarily have the understanding of, especially when we have a bias that we want to uh, make it work for us instead of in symbiosis of sorts, then, yeah, it just becomes immediately conflicting. I get it. I get it. And... <clears throat> And it's irrational in ways to think that we can manage everything. And, and, and as long as the, I mean, we always have to keep a, an open discussion. That's number one. But as long as that discussion can remain logical, honest, and. Uh, it's hard because you want to win. You know, if you have biases, right? If you have this idea that you want to maintain hunting, for, for example, lions, you will frame your argument in a way that ignores the cruelty of what you're doing, the fact you don't eat the lions. And you'll, you'll put it in this thing, and the grossness of someone standing there holding a lion's head, like, man, lions are the fucking apex predators. It's supposed to be eating you, bitch. You and would never hold on to that lion if it wasn't for that fucking rifle. My God, I yeah. get it. I get it. I, I but, hate it, too. But if it wasn't for that rifle, human beings, or well, not necessarily rifles, but any kind of weapon, human beings probably wouldn't be around. No, I get it. But that is the that is the, uh, that is the sort of dominion that we operate with. It, it is all dominion. It just doesn't seem like we can operate in, in pure symbiosis with things. We we have to have a level of dominion. We have to have a level of judgment, of, of, of bias, of everything. It's like without it, it, it's almost as if it identifies humans, right? We, we attribute ourselves as, I, I can say, like someone may say, I am a hunter. And then by virtue of being a hunter, you put yourself in a box and then you're only allowed to think so much. It's, it becomes difficult right. to, to maintain a, uh, a, a earnest, genuine uh, speaker and, and an absorber of all information without bias. I, I get it. And especially when you start having more than two people in a room, three and four people and stuff, it, it just becomes conflicting. Humans, no. I don't know that we were meant to govern the earth. I don't think we are. I mean, look at the job we're doing. We're not doing so great. The, the, the planet is sneezing us off in a bunch of places right now. Like, Well, the best example of humans, maybe the best example of humans would be the best thing to govern the earth because you don't want chimps governing the earth. Those motherfuckers be running around ripping dicks and biting fingers. But off. not politicians. You don't want lions to govern the earth because they'd be running around killing other lions' babies because that's what they do. You know, there's it's complicated, man. But there's a natural balance. Mm -hmm. We throw everything out of balance when we try yeah, too hard we, to govern. But right? we're the natural balance too. We're the weird things with opposable thumbs that have figured out guns and nuclear weapons. We're, there, that, there's balance in that because we're the easiest to kill. I mean, human beings, you can get killed by a small dog. You know, like a small dog. If you're in the room, I'm with a mailman, a, dude. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in the room with a 50 pound pit bull, the odds of you being able to kill that thing are almost zero. Let me ask you this: Have you ever seen a cat actually become so aggressive that it, what happens is it's called in, in a lot of times if you you have a a pet cat, they have what's called. Um, a displaced aggression where they go fucking crazy. I've watched cats. I've seen I've seen the aftermath of a cat attacking someone. It was yeah. so relentless. It was such a bloodbath, such yeah. a beating. She when she finally got that cat locked up in the bathroom, she had been cut so fucking bad up in like to the point where she had she'd been bleeding a lot. She had scratched. This cat had climbed her and there was no getting it off. And I had a cat who uh, one time was was spooked at the window. I don't know what the fuck happened. Something happened, and he went crazy. And he was a, he was attacking me. He was attacking my other cat, and nothing I could do. I had to punt him into the fucking room and shut the door. Like, dude, I, no, I didn't punt him. Just don't fuck it. I'm just saying I had to I had to I had to not be the caring hugging. I had to be, get the fucking here, calm your ass down. When he got out of that, he was back to being a normal cat. But in that moment, he was viciously dangerous, man. And and I'm at, at almost 200 pounds. I was scared shitless of a what. Six pound fucking animal, seven ten pound animal. Yeah. Like, holy shit, man! But they're wild animals. That's a, I mean, they're not wild, but they're animals. You ever see the video of that cat that climbs that guy's uh, yes. wraps his leg and bites him? Dude, <laughs> that and you hear his screech. 
I'd rather get bitten by an orca. <laughs> I hate to say no, it. Uh, that's no, crazy. No, man. no, 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 you wouldn't. We're just soft. I had a feral cat for a while. Yeah, I had a cat that I, uh, my friend Lainey, she, she and her boyfriend had uh, rescued a bunch of kittens that were underneath this house. This cat was little, man. It was probably two months old when I got it. And it was ferocious, like hissing and sputtering. I locked myself in a bedroom for several days just trying to get this cat to accept me. That must have been some experiment, eh? I mean, sure. Well, I was single. I was 26. All right ish somewhere around that everyone wants a cat at home to bring the ladies to no it wasn't even that man i had cats already uh i liked i like animals man i've always had a thing for animals and this cat i didn't know what i was taking on i had never had a feral animal before but uh i had to get this thing to like me and so this is what was crazy about it, it was so feral I mean, it, was, it was wild so if i was petting it it would be purring and i mean purring like no kitten purrs like like so happy but then i would put it down and it would go <laughs> and it would climb the walls and fucking just go nuts and then i i realized that what i had to do was get this thing and it never accepted anybody but me its whole life for for the rest of its so life strange at a two-month-old you think that that's something that could, i mean she no, was no. set in her ways like, no 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 it was he, he his, been established. I, his name was jack dempsey that's what i named him he was he was a fucking hobo who's a wild cat, but he was my buddy. Like he, he, he and I had a, he, an understanding, but even he would hiss at me sometimes, but I could still pick him up. I was the only one that could pick him up. I could pick him up and he would start purring because he knew I would never, I was, I'd never been cruel to him. I'd always protected him, but it was uh, a weird thing. So I just brought a bunch of books and I, I had a mattress and a, a spare uh, bedroom in this uh, house that I was renting. I was running a house. So I was probably twenty eight at the time. Man, you went for it. That's crazy. That's oh, a hell yeah, of a dude. commitment. I sat in that room for several days, just me. But I didn't have a fucking life, man. I, I didn't it. have it any must friends. Have been quite zen, even. I mean, this is like it sounds crazy, but that might be a hell of an endeavor. I know it sounds like nothing, but lock yourself in a room with a feral animal. You got a lot of work ahead of you. There's yeah. going to be a level of zen that you are like the smallest progress is going to be the hugest thing. I mean, especially for the witness, right? Especially well, if you're the one doing it. It was the perfect time for me to do something like that because I didn't have a family. I didn't have a life necessarily. I was uh, doing some acting and doing some stand-up. So, uh, you know, I, and this was during the off time. Like, I, the, we were down for the, for the season. So I had like months of time off. So basically... I just had to go to the comedy store at night. That's all I had to do. And so I was hanging out with this fucking cat many days in a row, just me and this cat in a room. I put the litter box in the room. I put the food in the room. I put the water in the room. And I put a stack of books on a mattress. And I just hung out with this fucking cat. Can I ask, did the hissing go away? Yeah, 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 eventually. But he would hiss at me sometimes for no reason. He'd just look at me. (laughs) But it wasn't a hiss like... Hey, fuck you! It was just like I'm crazy. Yeah, it's just this like is what he was I say. crazy. This is what he I was do. raised crazy. Feral animals are so different, man. They like we have this idea of animals. People say I love animals, but what they love is domesticated animals that love you back. Like I have the most domesticated dog you can get. I have a golden retriever. I love your dog. He's I the sweetest. Marshall, I should have brought him in fit. here. Oh, dude, I would have thrown it out there. Just Bro, uh, I love that dog. He just too. goes. He will go. If he was in this room, he would go from you to me to Jamie to you to me to Jamie. He's like, I love you. He's I a happy maker. You. I've I never seen you. this. I love he, his, he smiled. That cat, that dog, dude. I wish I was that dog at this point. I mean, you look at that dog's life. You're like, yes, you're in the right hands. He's a dog. Look super at you. super chill, happy dog. And I've never had a golden before. They're the sweetest dogs. If I get a dog, it's a golden. There's They're no the question. nicest yeah. dogs, man. They're yeah. so sweet. 
They're just there's no uh, there's no like. But even if that dog, if it was a feral golden retriever, it would probably be scary. You know that. Uh... But my point is, that is not an animal. That's a domesticated love machine. Like what what that is is a wolf that is the ancestor of these bitch ass wolves that capitulated and came close to the fire and dropped their ears. It's it it, it became something that gave it like we gave it food. And it gave us security. I mean, it's literally like what humans are asking of the government. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's it's. A, I'm just gonna take this back to Marineland real quick. But years ago, John Holder, the owner of Marineland, shot two golden retrievers. Why? We discussed this last time. Yeah, his neighbor had two dogs, and uh, across from John's house was a uh, you know, there's a gated field, and in there they bred deer. <sighs> they would otherwise take the deer out and put them into the park where people would go and pet them. But you know. Oddly, the most aesthetically pleasing and the healthiest deer were these breeders, or these ones that were breeding off-site. Well, one day the gate was open and these two Labradors run in, and they're not doing anything. They're not actually harming the animals. What they're doing is running up and down the fence and whatnot, but uh, the then uh, 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 land animal supervisor called John Holder and said, hey, the, the neighbor's dogs are back again. It wasn't the first time. And he said, do you want me to call the OSPCA? And he said, no, I'll take care of this. And I was just walking into work at the time. I heard two gunshots go off. And then the uh, the vet got a call. And I was in the room for the call. And John shot the two dogs, took the, the collars off, and instructed the uh, the supervisor to bury him. Jesus Christ. Just to offer a perspective who, who of what... Who owned the dogs? It was a neighbor who was threatened to be sued, so she didn't really want to talk too much. She did ask that the remains be brought back to her. She's like, I'd like the remains. I'd like this to be done. But I think that she was really scared, as you can imagine. Everyone's scared of... Bro, of, I would have gone straight Punisher. Dude, welcome to my fucking life. Like, you, you say to me, Phil, you've been in fight or flight for a lot of years, and you've just not been able to unleash it. Yeah, I've had a lot of things I'd like to unleash. I can't. I have to sit on my hands, and I have to, I have to abide by a system that is such that it is not in my benefit. But what kind of a man would shoot a golden retriever that was just scaring deer? You know, what you need to do is figure out a way to get that lady to not make your make her dog scare the deer, but a golden's not going to hurt a deer. The, it, I won't go over the details of how it went know. down and whatnot because no one wants to hear it, but it's uh, it's more, it's graphically awful. Listen, there's, one of the things that you brought up in the documentary that I didn't know before is where that man was raised, mm -hmm. and um, he was raised in a different country. Slovenia. And he was also raised to, uh, and, and grew up training animals for the circus. Yeah. So there's a, a completely different mindset of what an animal is. When I think about John Holder, the man who every argument can be made is tr was trying to destroy my life. You know, in the in the documentary, you know, I cry when he dies, and a lot of people take that as what the fuck? Is, how do you explain that? This man is abusing your life, and you're you're crying. And I was hurt by it. I, I, I experienced loss when he was gone. I had a deal of odd respect for the man because of where he was from and what he had done. I related to him. He was of a different mindset than me. He was of a different mindset than anyone I'd ever come across. I get it. His world was very different. So I attribute a lot of things to him. I had emotion for this man. It wasn't just a, it wasn't a mere enemy that I, that I just saw and, and wanted to... No, no, this... And the documentary shows it. it it's far more powerful than... Even my being separate from Marineland for as long as I have. You gotta remember, in the 12 years I was there, I made all my most powerful relationships with, with the people that even today I'm still friends with, all these things. The loss of all of that, the sort of, uh, is, is uh, it's more than just, it, you know, the, the weight that I carry is more than just, just the war, which is, seems black and white, good and bad, this guy's being an asshole, this guy's fighting. It, it's, conf it's more conflicting than that for me. There's an emotional 
uh, attributions to my sep- being separated from there that is just, you know, difficult for people. Like, again, like you said, I was a kid then when I left. I, yeah. was, I was also at 34 years old when I quit. I was of a childlike mindset. I, I don't... When so I, you were 22 when you started working? 22 around? when I started, 34 when I quit, and uh, which by all means should be like the age that someone's considered a man. No, I was a child. I was still... You're uh, not even really... Your frontal lobe's not even fully formed to 25. You're still growing and learning. I think still moving. And I, think, I think I had some arrested development in my life. I think I, I, well, I'm one no, of those guys man. who wanted to be a child almost forever. I mean, not, not consciously, but just one of those deals where fun took took the forefront of everything. Well, I think there's also a concept of a person being finished, like a finished product. You're a grown man. You should know better. Right. I don't think that's real. And it's, I think, rel- it's not relative to everybody. It's not just something that could be said. Like, at 22, right. you should be doing this. It's like, not everybody. Everybody's different at 22. Yeah, for sure. Well, here, here's where it gets even weirder. If you ever do have children, when you have kids, then your perception of what a person is changes radically because you realize, like, like I see a guy like, how do you say his last name? Stoller? Holer. Holer. John Holer. I see that guy. I go, that guy used to be a baby. He used to be someone's son, little baby. And we don't think about that. We think of think, things as being static. We think of per, a person being who they are always. I look at a guy with a distended belly and high blood pressure screaming and yelling at protesters and I go, my God, that's a baby that just just became this because of influence, because of nature and nurture, because of all the different experiences that he's absorbed in his life. Now he's this this monster. Can I tell you that what you just said about him being of an infant-like mind just hit me like a fucking ton of bricks? Like as if... Yes, precisely. Yeah. There's something about maybe that man of, and where he came from that, you know, kept him from seeing things of a certain way. And he'd been Dude, defensive Slovenia, in all time. right? Okay. Uh, hardship. He told right? me the stories of how he came to Canada. He escaped war. His family took in a, if I'm not mistaken, a German, this is what he told me. They snuck a German soldier who'd been wounded on their land and snuck him across a, a border. As, and he escaped the country with little to nothing. When I hear his story, and he and I have sat over a, over beers when we were going to buy dolphins, but we stopped as they were being delivered to us, and we stopped at a bar. Did you ever ask him, like, does it bother you? There's nothing you can ask him. Why you, is that? He slip him. John was such John was such that everything that he ever said. There was a different something else going on. Should have gave him some mushrooms. I wish I could have given him some mushrooms. Mushrooms will be legal soon. I imagine. You uh, imagine? If you could just sit down with the, the guy. Humility, and listen, I'll my do anything. God, I'll do anything. Just eat a little bit of this. You and me. I together. tried. I gave him Guinness. I thought it'd be enough. He had one, and he doesn't drink. He had one. I'm like another one. No. Okay. Fuck. <laughs> well, alcohol doesn't necessarily always work because it, it it removes inhibitions, and when someone's like completely set in their ways, they might just. Some people are, I'm a happy drunk. When I, when I get drunk, I'm generally like, I get a little crazy, but I'm happy. Some people, they just, uh, they get angry and, and mean and, you know. John didn't like not being in control. Mm. You can't, it's, you know, my, and what's odd is I, my father's the same way. I've never seen my dad drunk ever. He'll drink a little bit, but just doesn't. Now I went 20 years of drinking. I attribute a lot of my weight loss to the fact that I just sort of got away from booze as being my you know, for instance, my, my first vice, I did go over to smoking a shit ton of pot, uh, which is, you know, depicted in the, in the, in the documentary, but you know, I work with my medicine. It's uh, and, and I microdose admittedly. I, 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 I take mushrooms when I can. Um, uh, you know, I smoke, I smoke the weed, but I, I work with it. You know, a guy like John Holder, it's just not going to be the case. Um, just going back to, to the subject of, of pot and, uh, and it being passed in the legislation, you know, that, that, 
law got tabled on the same day or that law passed and the same day that our, our law got tabled, I was in Ottawa when they, uh, when they, when they tabled, introduced the law for, or rather passed the law for, uh, for marijuana. And I was there with a lawyer who was helping me work with bill S203. And I had brought some weed to Ottawa. It wasn't legal yet. Like it, it the, the law didn't get Royal Ascension, but it had passed. And, uh, you know, I was, I was talking to the lawyer and I'm like, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't know if I wanted to let him know that I was a big, you know, big old pot smoker. And so I was leaving Ottawa after it was all said and done and we hadn't had any real conversations, but I stashed my last joint somewhere, right? Cause I was going into the parliament. I didn't want to bring my weed and I stashed it. And when I was leaving, I said to him, I said, you know, the only other thing I'd be fighting for here is fucking pot. And he starts laughing. He goes, yeah, I didn't know if I could mention it to you. I'm like, he's, he's like, I was going to invite you to my house, you know, but I got roaches everywhere. I'm like, oh dude. <laughs> and so I give him the roadmap to where I stashed that joint. And a few hours later, he's just like, dude. The fucking eagle, the eagle has landed. I found it. So right on. <laughs> you know, I, I do have the benefit now that marijuana is uh, is legal in Canada and people recognize it as my meds. You know, I, I go live on Instagram a lot, uh, almost almost with the purpose of practicing the craft of speaking and interacting with people. You know, and that's technology. So you push a button, you can connect to people. So I do that, and uh, and I I smoke weed, and you know, I tell you know, and people smoke with it, almost like uh, almost like. Um, Oh, shit, I can't believe I don't even know his fucking name. Who's your Who's your big time bud that was smoking? The, he's always doing the, smoking weed on. Uh, can't believe I don't. Joey remember. Diaz. Joey Diaz. Yeah, so I started doing picking up a little bit of a Joey Diaz, doing some sessions and whatnot. And uh, you know, I, I give a big old like, uh, let's moon the moon on our way to Mars. Take a big old rip, and uh, now I got people that are now sending me my uh, my marijuana for a discounted price. I'd like to take this opportunity to give a <laughs> shout out to Prohibition Farms. Uh, enter code name Phil at checkout, and you get fifteen uh, percent off and free delivery. Really? <laughs> yeah, dude, that's uh, it's the it, it it is the seamless transition for me is just to go from, you know, what it is that gave me a voice to to the next thing, and uh, you know, it, uh, smoking pot and and what taking do you think mushrooms. the next thing is after this is over? Well, in every which way that uh, I, you know, my life became a a public life. But that was never my, you know, people become uh, musicians, comics, uh, uh, actors, and then they become known. I am a whistleblower. I didn't know what What's comes funny with in it. the documentary is you with the whistle, and they're calling you a whistleblower. Yeah, I use a whistle to fucking get the dolphins. I don't even know what that is. Know I, that they, they, it's time to eat. Come back, get your food. It's kind of funny because you are a, a real whistleblower. Yeah. I've been like, a whistleblower for 20 years <laughs> until I realized it. <laughs> you were a whistleblower professionally. Yeah. You know, I blew that whistle a month ago for the first time in years, and that sound almost took me to my fucking knees. It was, I had brought it as a part of a, a piece, a memorable piece for this special that I was filming that comes out uh, very soon. It was, it was about the film, and uh, they'd asked me to bring some, some things. I brought, by the way, I'd like to thank you, Joe. I brought a uh, award that I had received from really Canada's most uh, uh, reputable uh, NGO, which is uh, Humane Canada, it used to be Humane Societies of Canada. They they awarded me. Now I was supposed to go to Vancouver to receive the award. In fact, with Jane Goodall, but COVID came. But they did give me a, a award, a Leadership and Innovation Award for passing S two hundred three. I brought that as well. Something I'm very proud of. Thank you, Joe. Without you, I don't have that. And then I brought my whistle. And then they said, "Oh, cool whistle." They're like, "Blow it." And I stood like this, <laughs> staring down this whistle, like, "Hey, yeah, yeah." And then this in a while. Was it your whistle? Oh, it was my whistle. Yeah, it's still caked in fish sauce. It's uh. That stinks. It's gross. I put my mouth on that fucking piece and I gave it a blow. And man, it almost took me down. I, I haven't heard that sound in so long. And you can imagine that. And I started to think like only a few times prior to this last whistle would have been a decade ago. And I would have been a tr 
blowing it for a dolphin to come back and get your fish. It was just, it was crazy to put myself in the mindset of what time had passed and everything that happened. And to just to hear that sound again was, it was quite surreal. It was weird. It was weird. Isn't it weird how there's things that you can see or hear or they just bring you like songs, songs they bring you smells, back. Smells, everything. Yeah. Oh, dude, and I'm guilty of that because I just go deep with, with, with experiences. You know, I am, I am such a person that I do value the deepest relationships. And I, there's something about life that I want the richest of experiences. And it might make me fucking annoying because I'm always trying to reach a little deeper, a little higher, but Man, sitting across from you, enjoying a fucking cigar and a beer, smoking weed with Mike Tyson, do all the things that I, that I do, man. It's because I don't want to be on the fucking couch just sitting there doing fuck all. Man, there's an entire world out there that if you dream it up, man, you can live it. It can be. I am a living example of what 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 sticking to your fucking dreams can do. And despite the fact that my dreams are different than most, I mean, it is what it is. I still have a leg in this fight. Yeah. I couldn't have that without intense visualization and belief system. Well, there is a parallel, like I was saying, to like your willingness to stick to this after all these years, the, w the willingness to keep swinging, where a lot of people would have tapped out, man. A lot of people had to tap out. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, I have, I've been afforded an opportunity that I am not going to pass up. And you know, Joe, in every which way that I want to make myself proud and the people around me, I want to make you proud. I know this sounds crazy, but dude, this is the show's work. I am the show's work. The show is bigger than all of us. It's weird, man. Dude, I, I, I feel like I'm just uh, an antenna. Like, no, no, I no, no. You're a in. wizard. You change the world on the end of your fucking phone. You change the world with the with the voices that get communicated through this thing. It's I not know what you're saying, but I'm telling you, man. I'm just being honest from my own personal perspective. I just show up. It's just it's it's a weird thing, man. It's like That's this what becomes thing, when your calling calls you. That's this, what becomes. It's sort of like me. I just show up. This right? thing made me. I didn't make it. It made me. It's made me who I am. It's changed me. If you go back and listen to my perspective from uh, 2009 to my perspective in 2021, I'm a different person. And it's not just because of life experiences. It's, be it's directly related to the conversations I've had on this podcast and my thinking of it. The, the pros, the cons, the criticisms, the praise, the, the, the life-affirming experiences, the, 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 the deep, profound moments that I've had with people. Anyone who has watched the show knows when that change happened for you. It did. It was evident. It just went from a little bit more on the cuckapipi side and just like, we don't know what we're doing. It's fun. And then you had someone on there who's just like, holy shit. And then you just watch your brain going. And man, there's just nothing like standing in front of your processing brain. You saw the reaches of this thing and you saw that, okay, this, this is more than... I tell you exactly when I realized something was going on. I was on stage doing stand-up in Chicago. I was at the Chicago Theater. I don't remember what year it was. I think it was like 2011 or something like that. And um, this, the show was sold out. It's a packed house. It was 3,700 people. And I had a bit. And in the bit, I was I, I asked a question because it was about something that happened on the podcast. And I said, how many of you guys listen to the podcast? And I expected it to be like a few people. And it was, yeah. Aye, aye, aye. And... To this day, I remember that moment. I remember going, oh, shit. Because to be able to do what I do, I have to kind of block out what's happening. I have, have to a block lot of responsibility, out. I have too. To, I have to block that out, too. I have to block out the numbers. I get it. That, that's got to be a little bit intimidating. I know that just by virtue of being here, I'm worried that if I say the wrong thing, that even I don't understand that I've said that. Someone yeah. else can that misconstrue. I can be in a lot of trouble. You're a very famous person. You are under the fucking radar. And I will say that I've watched for too long that there's been an almost takedown fucking effort for you for a while there. Well, I it's really appreciate it's that. Natural. It's natural to want to take someone down. They build you up to high. take you down, man. It's just the way but it is. But it's not even that they build you up. It's just natural to see someone achieving something that's really like doesn't... It, it's, it's 
it's not natural. Well, what you're doing is you're challenging the establishment. But it's also that, but it's also someone that it's getting a, a, a disproportionate amount of attention. There's it makes a lot you a threat. But it's not even just that, that you're a threat. You you become a target because all these people are paying attention. Why are you paying attention to this fucking idiot? I'm with you. If you, you want to say why you pay attention to this idiot, I'm on your side. You don't I don't think CNN it. and everyone wants your views? Everyone looks to you as, what is he doing, and how can we stop that and, and incorporate it? You did something that was, that was you pioneered a thing that, that broke beyond the control. It be, and, and you did it under the radar before anyone could even know that it happened. It's kind of like Bitcoin. And I, <laughs> Bitcoin started out as, as what it was, and Bitcoin's rise is something that is no longer something that can be ignored. And it happened before anyone could stop it. And now it's gone too fucking big. It just is what it is. And on that note, I just want to say, Joe, in every which way that I do this, I want to recommend a guest. I think it's time, especially with, especially with Bitcoin and the way that it's going. You know, a guy like me, I don't have the chance. Like, I, I, Much of the sacrifice in what I did is that I'm not going to have a retirement. My ugliest years are ahead of me. I don't want to think about What are you talking about, about? Stop talking Dude, shit. Dude, I, I haven't got a profession. What are you talking about? Stop. I got years ahead. I get it, but- You'll be fine. I mean, that's what you think. That's what you, not, not you think. It's, it's, it's what you want to, but you'll be fine. Whereas other people have that, I don't. So I have been consciously trying to buy Bitcoin. I've been like trying to learn about Bitcoin and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it is, a, it, is, it is truly a rare and it is a thing that is offering opportunity to people like me for general wealth or for generational wealth and everything. And, and anyways, I just think right now with Bitcoin having repeated over and over and over new all-time highs. You got to have Anthony Pompliano on the show. Pomp. Do you know who Pomp is? No. Pomp is the guy who is every morning writing to institutions. Hope, he's, please. Jamie. Look up Pomp. I did, actually, he's got a quite Jamie a just went like this. Do you know Pomp? <laughs> Are you into Bitcoin? Yeah, he knows Pomp. Yeah, Pomp's the guy. Um, it would not be, buying it, Jamie? Jamie's not buying it. Bitcoin? No. Bitcoin, yeah. But Pomp? Uh, got not, to have Pomp. He's not buying it. Got to have Pomp. Pomp is, is the guy who is- your friend? No, Pomp is a guy that I listen to, and it's just over time, everything just makes sense. And he's also the guy who, you know, he, he's, he's a founder of a fund. Uh, he, he, he's actually at forefront of a lot of the, of, uh, the different uh, techni technological things. I mean, I'm, I'm invested, if you will, mind you, in the ability that I can on a thing called BlockFi. It's, it's, you know, Bitcoin is really revolutionizing finances in ways that is just um, I've had not something you want to... Andreas Antonopoulos on a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, he is the... He is the, uh, the, the only thing about... Uh, about him and, and, and he's Bitcoin I Jesus. Him. He's Bitcoin. He doesn't like that term. He's not Jesus Bitcoin Jesus. Yeah, killed. I was gonna say Bitcoin Moses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he looks. But likes but that it's better. difficult for people to relate necessarily with him because he he almost is a Bitcoin in just the way that he speaks. Right. He's very he's very technical and uh, yeah. Well, he's he's definitely a robot. And, and he's done it from from day one. I mean, that guy is yeah. in every oh, yeah. which way is to be well, attributed for the success of Bitcoin. He makes all of his income. He pays all exactly. his bills. And, he does everything. And there Bitcoin. was a time where people realized that he wasn't rich. You know, his story is crazy. He actually endured a sickness of a family and everything. And he had been working so hard for, with Bitcoin and he was never rich from it. And then when it came out, because something had happened on uh, Reddit where he was being called out because he wasn't rich. You know, you'd think that the man would wait have... A minute, wait a minute, You get called out for not being rich? You get called out <laughs> if you're that guy who's just not rich. But, but the circumstances of, 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 his, of his situation was such that he just couldn't. He was giving Bitcoin away. He was operating with Bitcoin and everything. He did everything to help pro uh, progress the, uh, and advance the adoption. But he himself 
wasn't really reaping the, 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 the benefits of it in the ways that the people that he was helping. And so what happened is that became uh, common knowledge and people started donating and he received millions of dollars in, in Bitcoin. No, I know about all that. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. In fact, in all the communities that I've come across, the most generous that I've ever uh, uh, met is that Bitcoin community. I mean, there was a while in during the last uh, bull run where um, there was a fund that was funding a bunch of good things. And anyway, I, I just I, I do just love it. I know Peter Schiff, who's on the who's a, who's a friend of the show and is on here all the time. He and Pomp are always head to head, always head to head. And I think, and I'm only one person, it would be just a brilliant thing to have the two so that they can finally have this conversation because there's got to be some common ground that can be found, and none of it's going to be done over Twitter war. So I just think Pomp would be a great, uh, and in my small way, that's me pushing uh, Bitcoin because, uh, you know, not everyone gets the, the luxury of sitting at this microphone. So if I can help its adoption, even even a, a tenth of a percent, then fuck it, I'll take it. It's interesting where it's going. I, I wonder, like, is it possible for there to be one form of currency that is like Bitcoin, or is there going to be a bunch of different other currencies like different other cryptocurrencies there will but they'll all be uh, they'll all have different attributions so like uh bitcoin will be the one that you draw from your savings if you will like that is the that is technically the the goal it is your savings uh, uh account if you will and then thereafter you'll you'll independently buy different coins for different functions i mean i see a time like i work for canada post um i see a time when stamps don't exist you buy and this might be a, a strange example but you buy a canada post token and then you attribute that token via however to a, a, an envelope and then you send it like the idea of paper stickers and everything. so you'll use your bitcoin to transfer money to other currencies that have different case uses and then go from there but the bitcoin always remains king i will just say this joe in every which way that you have money in a cash position sitting in a bank you are losing money every day to inflation and not inflation to your th are you a banker what the no fuck dude happened? but would you imagine what, something let me where, say this we're where, where, just coming to a bitcoin pitch can i was I, having fun before <laughs> can i just say this that before all of this i i was interested in finances it actually was an area that I would have gone keep towards. getting sued. And then all of that comes. But um, The Jane Goodall thing is interesting. You you almost had an opportunity to... to I, I, I Somebody reached out to try to get Jane Goodall on the podcast, too, and I'm kicking myself that I never did it. Do it. It's not too late. Jane, well, it is kind of... I hate Zoom. With a, a right, person it, of yeah. that profile and, and so interesting, I would want to sit down with that lady and Shh, talk to her. That would be a great interview. But Joe. the big thing I would talk to her about is Bigfoot. So let me ask you this while Jane we bring this Goodall up. Jane Goodall believes whole hog in Bigfoot. Is that right? Oh, yeah. So let me ask she, you this. Listen, Jane Goodall has said, see if you can find the uh, interview, because it's really fascinating. She said she's sure of it. I she's never sure. heard that. Yeah. Well, it all boils down to the animal used to be real. It used to be a gigantopithecus. It was a bipedal hominid or ape, whatever, whatever you want to call it. That was uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of eight feet tall. And it was in the orangutan family. So she says that exists. She thinks it's real. She thinks it's still out there. Here it says, uh, Yeti. I'm a romantic. Goodall replied. Uh, she goes, I would like Bigfoot to exist. I've met people who swear they've seen Bigfoot. I think the interesting thing is every single continent, there's an equivalent to Bigfoot or Sasquatch. There's the Yeti, the Yowie in Australia, the Chinese wild man, and so on. I've heard stories from people... Um, no, but that's not the interview. The interview is interesting. See if you can find the audio because the, the, the fact, what's interesting in the audio is someone asks her and she says, I'm sure of it. She literally says those words. I'm sure of it. This is pretty new though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to hear the audio. The bitch has probably uh, amended her. 
<laughs> she would be a... And I, I shouldn't have said that word, the B word, because she's an older and I'm, I appreciate her. But I say that about my mom. <laughs> so it's you, it's a, a term of endearment amongst comedians it's fair, in particular. It's fair. I, I love that lady. I think what she's done to uh, sort of uh, elevate understanding about primates is pretty spectacular. I mentioned it on the last show, but Ingrid Visser is a wild orca speci um, specialist in New Zealand. I've had the, uh, she rescues wild orcas all the time. She swims with them. Rescues she, wild orcas? How she, does she set rescue them? She is the rescue of wild orcas in New rescue Zealand. Rescue them from? They, be they get beached. Oh, I see. Quite often. In fact, one of my friends who was in the military, uh, Matt Harris, he, he was in uh, New Zealand when one of the when an orca beached itself and they were called they were doing uh they were doing some practices on the beach and they were called and next thing you know my friend who's from Welland is actually with ingrid in a photograph at the tail my childhood friend that fucking knew this guy since i was five years old at the tail of an orca and there's ingrid the fucking world's like foremost specialist of wild orcas and uh dude do orcas kill walruses sure yeah, Isn't transients that... would transient. They're they're, they're multiple. They're, they're two different types of orcas. There's one that is now being called Bigs, who's named after the scientist who named the, the, the species of orcas. But they're called transients. They're the ones that feed on uh, mammals. And then there's the resident orcas. They're the ones that as, that you're familiar with in the northwest right. Pacific. The, that the eat the Pacific Chinook salmon. That's an issue because an though, issue. they won't eat mammals and they're starving to death. Although there was some successful births this year, so there's reason for optimism. Whereas in years past there was uh, orcas that were that were born dead and there yeah. was obviously so you can see that they were becoming a little bit emaciated and whatnot i mean i don't want to sit here and, and and declare that this is a that this is a you know behind us but there were some successful births this year so there's reason to be you know canada implemented some uh, some traffic laws and some different laws to sort of uh stop impeding on their natural environment it's a big issue with dams because the, Chinook it's the snake river dam yeah. that is that is reducing the chinook population yeah. for the whales it, it really is and, th and that dam system is sort of archaic it just becomes a question of who's going to make the decision to tear that down well the not, history but. of damming, particularly in Pacific Northwest, is is literally a, a genocide of, right. of of salmon. Do you have uh, the the audio? Uh, yes, uh, I will. It's from two thousand and two. That's fine. <laughs> Eighteen years older. I don't give a fuck. Play well, it. Thanks for coming in to join us today. I don't know where in the video it's, she says it. Um, if you'd like to talk with Dr. Goodall, our number is one eight hundred nine eight nine eight two five five. One. To speak with you. Uh, I wanted to ask you two quick questions. Um, I wanted to know if you believe there are any undiscovered large ape species, and if you believe that the bonobo chimpanzee is a subspecies of the chimp or a separate species. Okay, well, I'll do the second one first because that's easy. It's definitely a, another species. Um, it's, it's admitted very widely that it's, an, I mean, it's known, it's, it's described as another species. It's a bonobo, not a pygmy chimpanzee. Different in many, many ways. What a wild species, Teddy. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah, rich yeah. species. Yeah, very species that likes to fuck that its kids. That's right. The chimps do. So yeah. we don't chimps have DNA samples of aliens. And that's been your argument as to whether they exist or not. Um, but as there's no the big foot. Talk about yeti or bigfoot or Sasquatch. Is that what he's talking? Yes, it is. <laughs> is that and is that the message I'm missing here? I think that's the message you're missing. Is that right, Sherry? Uh, pretty much. <laughs> I'm out of the loop. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, now you'll be amazed when I tell you that I'm I'm sure that they exist. You are. Yeah, I've talked to so many Native Americans who've all described the same sounds, two who've seen them. I've probably got about, oh, 30 books that have come from different parts of the world, from China, from, from all over the place. And there was a little tiny uh, snippet in the newspaper just last week which says that British scientists have found what they believe to be a yeti hare and that the um, scientists in the Natural History Museum in London couldn't identify it as any known animal. Now, that was just a wee bit in the, 
in the newspaper, and obviously we have to hear a little bit more about Well, this that. age of DNA, if you find a hair, there might be some cells on it. Well, there will be, and there I'm sure be. that's what they've examined. Was, they yeah. don't match there up. Not what this my little tiny snippet says that don't match up with DNA cells from known animals. So, I mean, a romantic wants to believe. I get it too. I want to believe things. I get it. What do you want to believe? I want to believe that I'm going to get that fucking walrus back. I believe it. I know it sounds fucking crazy. I yeah, just, but that's that's more likely than Bigfoot. Like what she wants to believe is 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 or she or wants to believe the impossible. I guess I, I get it. No, I impossible. get it. I don't know if it's impossible. Like because this 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 discussion in 2002 was before they had found Homo floriensis in the island of Flores, which is a, a tiny little person, like a hobbit person, that existed. They think it used tools. They think it it had a, a tiny brain, like a chimpanzee-sized brain, but it stood upright and it was. Uh, an example of another that's version of human being. That's a post-2000 discovery? Oh, yeah. Can yeah. you imagine what it is that we haven't discovered yet that well, might still it, be out there? Make sure I'm right with, about that. Homo floriensis. Floriensis? I think it's floriensis. Uh, I believe, I want to say that discovery was somewhere around 2010. 2003? It's crazy it? to think that we're still, okay. we're still So that was things. just a year after she was doing this interview. Right, right. They discovered this tiny human being that lived as recently as ten thousand years ago. Jesus. Now, the the Gigantopithecus they found in a an apothecary shop. I want to say uh, an anthropologist found it in the nineteen thirties. They found a primate tooth that they couldn't attribute to any known primate. They couldn't attribute it to a gorilla or a orangutan or anything like that. It was huge, and. Um, the anthropologist then led uh, a, an expedition to try to find the exact location where they had discovered these teeth, and they had found pieces of bone that indicated it was uh, bipedal. And uh, there's there's some controversy as to whether or not it was bipedal, but there's no controversial as to whether or not uh, it was an actual species. Right. So they think there so was. So it a, exists. Yeah, there, it did exist as oh, recently right. as a hundred thousand years ago. So th- I think that's where a lot of this Bigfoot shit comes from. I think it comes from. That one point in time, while there were humans, there also were these things. And I think these stories get passed down from generation to generation. But the real problem is, like, I don't believe language existed 100,000 years ago. I think um, if I want to, I want to say 40,000 years. What, like, what was the invention? What's the oldest known language? Or what do they believe? No, how about this? What, what, how long ago was language invented? I want to say it's 40,000 years ago, which is really crazy. When you think of how recently that is, that's so, that's a fucking blink of the eye. Dude, when I go back in history and I think of how recent everything is, especially as I age and I see what a decade is, a decade you can sneeze away very quickly. You get to see, you see just how, well, A, you can see how Dude, slow progress is. you and I have is. known each other for almost a decade. It's, it's so crazy. I can still feel like I sat here across from you for the very first time smoking a big fat J before the hey. 425. Speaking of which, if anyone in Austin knows where I can grab them. Oh, uh, I know. Okay. Shh. Oh, don't dude, tell anybody. Dude, you don't even know. Come oh, on, Energy we're up. We're all good. Thank you, sir. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. My hero. It's essentially decriminalized here, but it's I, illegal here. But ta- tigers aren't. doesn't make sense. <laughs> That's the same in uh, in Canada prior to all this. You, you needed a permit to have a raccoon in captivity because it was native to Ontario. You couldn't touch them. But you could bring in a fucking dolphin from just about anywhere and put them in the back of your pool with no that's, regulations whatsoever. That's hilarious. It's the hypocrisy and the craziness of what is the Because raccoons world. are known cunts. 
bunch of garbage stealing little assholes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I don't have a problem with raccoons. I think if you were nice to raccoons, they'd probably be nice to you. Like from like people have pet raccoons, right? I like raccoons. I got no beef. What's the problem? Cool. No, I understand. But I mean, from the from like the idea of like being like tight with a raccoon, like you are with a dog. I've seen it. Yeah, it exists. Not it exists. not something to do, and I don't encourage it. Don't it encourage exists. It. Yeah, because then you got to get your dogs. Get a dog. You like a raccoon? You know, I'm the person that has that um, mythological and almost sought after romantic relationship with an animal. I have that. She thinks I'm her mom. It's yeah. the thing everyone wants when they get an animal. Right. That's what's so crazy. So in every which way that people either be it criticize me and everything, I'm just like, but you want the same thing I have. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people want animals to need them? Because that is, that is a thing we have. And I have a feeling it's like... I have a feeling it's related to the, there's certain things that people do when they have problems where they, instead of dealing with their own problems, they try to find problems in other people. And this is one of the problems with Twitter. It's a psychological issue with Nailed avoiding it. avoiding real issues that you have to deal with that are uncomfortable. And instead, focusing on things that you can exert all of your angst and energy on, but they don't necessarily have like legitimate consequences in terms of like like restructuring your own life so and, and, and dealing with your own bullshit. This takes me to my next experience of being an activist. More often than not... What I find is a lot of activists become activists because they're running away from a, a home that is not yeah. right. Yeah. And what happens is that, as I learn, is that these people's, these, and I'm not, I shouldn't say these people, but, um, they come, they, they're earnest, they're genuine, they want this. There's no staying power. They're there for whatever reason, but it, my invitation to activists is make sure your home is right because we need proper criminals. We need someone who has, is clear of mind and is not out there to judge, attack, belittle, and all of that stuff. And what becomes of that is when you get people that come from a place that is maybe not in order, yes. they take it out in, the, in that capacity. And right. I, that's, the, that, that's, the that's the level of activism, activism that I find to be the opposite of what should be activism. Take care of your home first so that you yep. can come proper as a proper criminal, I say, I like to work with proper criminals. And you come to me and you're, like like I said, when it's a person who's been fired from Marineland, they come to me, I got something to say. It's, I don't want to talk to you. It's too late. Talk to me when you're still there. Now you got, now I, now you're somebody to me. Same as if you're running from a, a it just happens a lot. People, they, they are reaching for something to fill that void. And it happens very often. It, I would even say in a lot of ways, veganism. You know what's strange about veganism is if you look at the stats, and I can attest to it, I know a lot of vegans. I know what happens after midnight. I know what happens after a few years. I have actually stuck to this thing longer than what statistically uh, vegans last. They just don't last typically this long. They just don't stick with veganism as long as they do. A lot of people run towards veganism or, or again, other levels of activism because they feel that it's going to be the answer to their thing. And again, yeah. I can say this because I'm not an activist. Like, well, I it's also instantaneous righteousness. Instantaneous, they're right, and it's and it's it's escapism. It's escapism. You're able to escape into also, something that's different. The, they believe in it. You, like you can't dismiss their belief in it. You know, I think, but instantaneous righteousness is very intoxicating. Like the idea that that you could be the per like that's why so many of them are cunts. That's one of the weirdest thing about vegans. So many of them are fucking assholes. Like that is the dumbest and worst way to get your concepts across. Nailed is it, to man. be shitty to people that don't agree with you. I'm because a living, you're I'm not, a walking example of that. Yeah, because you're not compassionate. Then you're not compassionate. That's exactly it. You're not a compassionate person, which you are as a person who's using this really arguable concept that we should be kinder to animals and you're using that as a tool to be shitty to other human beings. 
Now, having said that, there are some great ones. In fact, there's a, yes. there's a vegan on Twitter who is called, uh, she is called the Korean vegan. And she's actually, she just started out on... Uh, on, uh, on Did you uh, find out when language was discovered? Uh, it's the oldest written one was 5,000 years ago. There's an estimation of 15,000, anywhere from 100 to 350,000 years ago for the oldest spoken language. 300? The, the estimations are wild. So I just, wow. I don't, I don't really know. Let's go with your figure. Seems Proto, right yeah, in the middle. African. I'm pretty something. sure I read 40,000 years ago, but it, these estimates change because uh, the, the, the estimates of the oldest civilization have changed pretty radically. Uh, especially after Gobekli Tepe was discovered, they realized they were, they were making complex stone structures fourteen thousand plus years ago. That's without question, right? Gobekli Tepe is not a uh, it's not no, a theory. No, no, no. It's not only that. It's it's one of the most uniquely provable sites because it was purposely covered fourteen thousand years ago. Okay. So it's not just that it was. 12,000 plus years old is that it was covered up 12,000 plus years ago. So it's one of those things. There's a thing. This is breaking down on the Wikipedia about the proto-human language. Uh, this one, Richard Klein, said the ability to pr produce complex speech only developed some 50,000 years ago. Another yeah. study says somewhere in the range of 150 to 350,000 years ago that may have been possible. So it's, yeah. it's theoretical. But one of the things that they do know is that monkeys will trick other monkeys and they'll make a sound like uh, eagles there and the monkeys will will panic and right. they'll run away because eagles kill monkeys yeah. like particularly um those eagles in uh south america harpy eagles yeah there's you ever see a harpy eagle no oh jesus christ they're the biggest. They're hey. crazy. They eat sloths. Birds scare me, by the way, oddly. These, these motherfuckers are awesome. <laughs> My biggest fear is being eaten alive, and I don't know why. I'm not the size of something that a bird can eat, but I always think that's just as awesome. Monkeys as use their eagle call to warn each other about drones. Oh, oh shit. No. Whoa, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. They see a drone, they think it's an eagle. But that's language. Oh, my God. Right? Yeah, that's yeah, language. yeah. They have a sound. I mean, they have a few sounds that indicate certain things, but some monkeys have tricked other monkeys. Well, they'll yell out the eagle sound and use it to snatch fruit. <laughs> Dirty little monkeys. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, the thing about language, it would have started out as one thing, and then it would have become another. And when it comes to uh, history and taking history and whatnot, I imagine it would have required a level of, of evolved language just to be able to take Take in the history of it all. You know what I mean? So, sure, but so, also they recognize deception. They recognize the benefits of deception, oh, which it. is how politics started. Yeah. Geniuses. Yeah. Um, so I don't remember why we came up, why were we talking about language? So, well, it had something to do with like Homo floriensis and Bigfoot. Oh, 100,000 years ago. That's what it was. That Gigantopithecus existed in the range of time where maybe language did or didn't exist. So if they found s these teeth that were 100,000 years old, it's conceivable that that thing survived far past that. You know, they don't really exactly know when Gigantopithecus was extinct. They just know that they have teeth that indicate it was for sure alive in the neighborhood of 100,000 years ago. So that's probably... They, uh, they, what? they found some of those teeth in uh, shipments of dragon bones. Oh, what the fuck were dragon the bones? Hell? What? Is that? I'm sure they were selling them as dragon bones, yeah. maybe. But like, I wonder what those were. Probably dinosaur bones. Selling rocks or something. This and then say one, what it was. Dragon bones. Yeah, it says that they collected 47 teeth among shipments of in quotes dragon bones. Speaking of dragon bones, anybody like heard from Charlie Sheen lately? Hmm. 
Remember that guy? That's Tiger, Tiger Blood. Blood yeah. <laughs> Tiger Blood, Dragon Bones. My friend like, saw him at a restaurant one time. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. And he, he takes a video. He goes, look, he eats. Because he's just, the guy's going like this. And but I'm just like, just oh, imagine that, that that guy had achieved like this enormous, oh, here it goes. From baller to squalor, Charlie Sheen moves into modest Malibu apartment after he's forced to live oh, with his dad, be. 80, and mom, 76. Be. Oh, it is, man. I heard he lost all his teeth. I heard some. Oh, he's. Weird. I know he's unwell. So I guess if. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what becomes. I See guess. See if you can find the most current photo of Charlie Sheen. I figured that would have had it, didn't it? I remember when like people were using hashtag Tiger Blood, and that wasn't that long ago, right? It was like 15 years ago. No, no not that long. It was ago. 10. Yeah. 10? Yeah, yeah, 11. I yeah. Think. Mm-hmm. And he went off the rails. That was a crazy time. Well, Tiger when people Blood. found out that he had HIV, that's when they were like. Not so funny anymore. And, they, you know, he possibly had given it to other people. Not the coolest thing, well, Charlie. he was the guy that was like, you remember when he did that interview where he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I fucking smoke crack. Yeah, I love it. I would uh, Tiger blood. smoke grams of it. Yeah. Hashtag winning. <laughs> did he even use hashtag winning or did you say winning? He used hashtag winning. I don't think he does anymore. I mean, but, I've but, used but it. He, I don't think he said hashtag winning. I think he just said winning. Yeah, winning. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was, uh, he was, yeah. oh, half oh. a year ago. Jesus oh. Christ, please play that. Play that. Oh, this is can we, real. Can we get some volume? He's doing for cameo. It's a thing. Is it not working? I will remain here. I will, I will remain available if, if, if you can all agree that, uh, that, that all the tiger blood and winning and if we could just kind of just, and leave that where it belongs in the past. Um, hey, this is tough to watch, man. This is very difficult. Sounds like he doesn't want to keep see going. Oh. That, 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 that we're all finding our way through. So, so if a message from me can, can, can brighten the day of, of, of yourself or, or a loved one or even someone you don't really care about, then, uh, then, I'm, then I'm honored to, to offer that. So, uh, greetings. Good people of Planet Cameo. It's the Sheen. I'm back. Whoa. That's heavy. I remember when he was doing live performances where he's going out and he was doing he was selling out theaters. And the first one he did was a, a like everybody was excited to see him, but then they realized this was after he got fired from two and a half men. Right. They realized he really didn't have an act yet. He's so then he realized, like, I got to do something. I sold out all these theaters, and now people are going to scream at me and be mad at me because he was like, fuck you. Improv. You paid to see me, you fucking losers. Like, that kind of shit. He was just being defensive, right? Right. Then he hired my friend Russell Peters, and Russell Peters took over and was, like, interviewing him, and then the shows became actually success because Russell is very entertaining. And what are you, what are you doing? Uh, uh, Canada represent. Hold he, on. He says that uh, which, this wasn't new, but uh... – he blames all of those fun quotes on uh, too much testosterone cream he was using to try to get his libido up. <laughs> roid rage. Accidental roid rage. That's what tiger blood came from? Uh-huh. Nothing to do with Coke. <laughs> you know who the, by the way, do you know who the last uh, noted celebrity was to visit, to visit Marineland? Who? Russell Peters. Oh, l- 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 scroll up. Let me see what he looked like back then. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Oh, scroll the down the video. Like, look how yeah, good he looked. he looked vibrant. It, it, it is sad to see ago. where he's gone in his voice. There's just not Let me hear that. There. That's Michael Strahan is interviewing yeah, him. Good Morning America. Um, I have, I have, for eight months now, I've been enrolled in an FDA study mm-hmm. for a medication for a drug called Pro-140 that's, that's in, the, in the late stages of its, of its, of its trial run. 
we are very close to being approved. Um, and it is not this hideous cocktail that leads to so many side effects emotionally and physically. Mm -hmm. It's one shot a week. It's going well, and I, I, I feel like I'm carrying the torch for a lot of folks out there that are suffering from the same same thing, you know. In all of this that has happened, had there been a, a silver lining? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean the day I got the day I was diagnosed, I immediately wanted to eat a bullet. Can I stop with it? But Pause my right there. there. Wouldn't... Michael Strahan is such a stud that his lisp actually helps him become more endearing. We never fixed the gap in his teeth, yeah. But it's also like it's like such a fucking alpha, such a, a beast of a man. Such a manly man. He invites the, you to criticize it. Go when ahead. He, but he, when he has a little lisp, you're like, I like you a little bit more. It's a little bit, a little bit easier to deal with the fact that you're a, a superhuman. Okay. But that, I think that he was talking about HIV. Yeah, in this one he was, yeah. That's yeah. what it says. I want to go way back. See, this was, what year was this? Three years ago? Jesus Four years Christ. Ago? He looks so much better three years ago. What is going on, man? Mm. That's a it's a really sad thing to see because you know he he was I mean he captivated the world for a while I get it but it's so sad to see you know there's something about someone who becomes uh, humble later and I mean there's a level of humility that is evident in that video where we watch that he's he's trying to but get it was some a, cameo orders like it, it was a dude that was also he was embracing being like uh, shamed he was like yeah I smoke crack yeah I I eat, like I pay hookers to leave like he was he had all this wildness. To like the way he was accepting this shit, like a defiance. Like, people were like, "Yeah," because people were tired of people being like, they were being humbled by this. And it goes he back wasn't. to the genuine and the honesty factor. I mean, yeah. is there anything more honesty than admitting your, uh, your it, drug addictions? There was a little bit of that. It was that, but it was also that he used to be Charlie Sheen. He was Charlie Sheen from Major League and Platoon, and he was a massive movie star. And then all of a sudden, here he is on television talking about smoking crack. He had tiger blood. He was a giant uh, conspiracy theorist for a while, too. Remember, he wrote a letter to Obama uh, demanding that Obama release the truth about 9-11. Do you remember that, Jamie? No, I was just about to ask you where. What, I couldn't remember where this all started. The Charlie Sheen stuff, you know, like where... Where did that first hit? Was he live streaming on something? Or? Well, he got fired from... Um, it was the firing. That's yeah. What, that's what propelled it He all. got fired from th Two and a Half Men. Mm -hmm. And then he went off on... Uh, he started calling the the guy by his uh, his proper Jewish name. So it started off as... He started... And then he went off. Who did he, he call? Oh, the Chuck Alex Lord. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Jones, man. Speaking of Alex... Alex Jones uh, called me once. He goes, hey, Joe, someone wants to talk to you. And he, he puts me on the phone with um, Gary Busey. Oh shit! Post motorcycle oh, accident, and Gary, Gary Busey was—I mean, it was literally like I was the the beneficiary of uh, <laughs> this long rant. I go, "Hey man, what's up?" And it was like, "Hey Joe, I want to talk to you about uh, the universe and life and expanding consciousness and all these different things that are happening to you right now." And this is all this. and, he, and Gary it. Busey like just talked at me. For uh, a few minutes, and then gave the phone back to Alex, <laughs> and I go, God, "What the fuck was that?" I'll call you later, man. And, and um, <laughs> I have to say, it's got to be a unique experience to be you because, like, it, like it is what it is. You're you. You don't know you're you. Then you have some very unique experiences when you get calls from Jerry Busey or Gary Busey rather, and these things. I mean, there's got to be something to it where you got to thank yourself for the brilliance of the art that you've invited into your life because that is exactly what that is. It's just the craziness of all of it.
Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think it's weird, but uh, I don't. I, mean, I think one of the reasons why it happens, I don't think about it that much. I go, wow, all right. I just keep moving. You're at the you know? mercy of what you created, man. <laughs> you uh, you created a thing that uh, that everyone's want to touch on. So you're gonna get the phone calls. I love it. I think it's. Ah, I love it, dude. I gotta say, like again, when I think of the very few people in my life that I that I that I just I, I that inspire, but also almost confused to the level is your your ability to retain information, even just by virtue of us having this conversation, you keep pulling stuff out from years past that I recall we touched on in years past and you still know it all. Like you have a very remarkable brain, Joe. <laughs> yeah, it's really inconsistent though. It's inconsistent as fuck. Cause it's something, human. I, I forget, I forget people's names and they think I'm doing it on purpose. Well, it's tough to that know a million that, um, fucking people, dude. Like, fuck. the fuck's that guy's name? That James O'Keefe dude? That guy believes that I uh, forgot his names on purpose? No, dude, I'm a moron. It's like what you said to me, like, like I had to watch the film this morning, because if I watch it a few days ago, it's just going to be in the mix with the rest, right? I get it. You've got a lot going on, dude. And then, and then this is why a lot of people, are, are, they look at the likes of me being on the show, and they're just like, how the fuck, dude? I'm just like, blessing. Bro, you're my homie. Blessings. Oh, we, dude. we text each other, man. We're friends. Joe, you're the only guy. <laughs> I got to say, like... I get your I get your refreshed phone numbers. What the fuck? You know what people are like? People have said to me, "Hey, uh, I got old, Joe's old number there. You think you can give me the?" Oh, I don't text them, bro. I'm, we, I'm like, I don't we've text gone them, through I don't text you and I've gone through eight phone numbers. I've had eight phone numbers. Since <laughs> I've known getting you. on. It's a blessing every time you. I, I send you a text and I'm like, okay, no response from Joe. I'm gonna send you a new one next week because okay. we're about. Due. Thank you, my brother. And then you write back, dude. New number here it is. I'm like hanging <sighs> on. One of the reasons why I hang on is because Elon Musk still texts me. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't want him not text me anymore. He's nope. like, when he texts me, he's like the one dude to text me. I'm like, oh shit! I show my wife. Like, yeah. So you get that, eh? All the time, dude. That's what I get from you. Oh yeah, man. I get a text. I go like this there. Yeah. I was on the I was on the plane the other day, or and I'm coming in. The guy's like, what are you here for? I'm like, oh, I'm going on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. The fuck? I'm just like this. Yeah. There it is. Day made. It's weird. It's weird to be me to be me. Dude, to be are, me being me is you weird. You are a gift. You are a true gift to him. Well, I just, uh, whatever the vibration of this thing is, it chose me, and I just keep doing it. I'm it's exactly what it. I say of what it, of how it is that I found myself in this situation. All I did was allowed myself to flow in, an F, in every which way. I, I opened myself to whatever it is that becomes, and here we are. Had I, I think I resisted that's true. It, I absolutely know. I think that's true. true, and I think that's why dolphin captivity and porpoise and orca captivity is now illegal in Canada. It's bigger than us, man. It, yeah. We did it. We, we we helped do it, but there's something bigger. There's it's, just something bigger. It's authenticity and the fact that you've committed to the battle, and that and you know, and the fact that you have is why I recognized it early on, and I, I clung to you. I'm like, okay, we're on this ride together. I can't tell you again. You're of the few people that still answer the phone, and uh, if you uh, put yourself in my mind, you'll realize just how crazy that is. Because again, if you didn't, this fight doesn't continue. So, Joe, in every which way, I am endeavored to you. Just um, well, there's more of us out there, man. It's not just me, and and I I will send that call out to everyone. It's we're real close, folks. We're real close to changing this everywhere. I mean, we're not going to change it in China. They don't understand what we're saying. <laughs> but we might change it worldwide to, to the people where this message resonates. Like you, you can't put dolphins in a fucking swimming pool. It's wrong. It's not that much different than putting people in a cage that are innocent. It's, it's not that much different. It's really not. The only difference is we don't understand their whales. Their screams for release, their their cries for help. We don't understand what those sounds are. 
But whatever they they know what they're saying, they if another dolphin heard it, they would recognize that that scream for help. In the documentary, and you touched on it when the dolphin was being force fed. I can tell you what the sound he was making was, and I can tell you what that caused the other dolphins to do. They became pro- quite protective of him. It was a, it was a distress call every time, and there's nothing more gut wrenching than recognizing a distress call, hearing it, and then being the one doing the distress, the distressing. That's a fucking pill you swallow uh, quite harshly. <sighs> it's, it's so hard to watch, man, when they're they're holding his mouth open and forcing the fish into his mouth. Like, oh. We did that a lot. We did that a lot. They still do. And those fish are filled with drugs. And yeah, um, you showed me that too. Yeah. That was out in the docu- That was in the documentary where they they put the pills in, inside the fish, and and they tried a bunch of shit too, like SSRIs and. You know, in the film, I'd like to touch on this because I never had the opportunity to defend it, but Marineland keeps trying to call my credibility into question because they say that I was stealing drugs from them. They say that I was taking drugs uh, meant for animal consumption. And I just want to clear that fucking record right here and now because it's touched on in the documentary because it had to be. But it wasn't, you know, the, the one thing about the documentary is it tells a story and, and it's great. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot that's not in there. Obviously, it's a story that can be told a million ways. And the way that it was was genius. And I think that the filmmaker, uh, Natalie Bibo, is an absolute fucking uh, genius. And she touched. And, I, I, you know, I can't actually watch the film anymore. I did probably too many times. But there's just it, it, it affects me now just in, um, in, a, in a far greater way. Um, you know, there's a lot of dead people in that fucking documentary. A lot of people who that are missing and are not missing just a, <clears throat> you know, it's just, it's, it's more, it's more powerful to me, but in, in many of the stories that weren't told, there's a lot of really, really, really dark things, you know, there's just a lot of really dark things, but, uh, I am very, very thankful that the film did get made and that, uh, it, it, you know, it has a, an effect. I, I see that you, I mean, then you came in here, you were in tears immediately because of what you saw and what you felt. It's sad as fuck, man. It's sad as fuck, and I think, you know, we're we're conditioned to think of dolphins as being these animals that do these things, and they get fish, and they're having a good time. And it's 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 undeniable when you watch that documentary. It's undeniable what's happening. Well, the good of it, Joe, is that we're changing it, and it's it's happening. And the future, we, you and I, will see a world where. Oh, you're 50? You're 50? Not a world. Yeah, we'll see North America. Yeah. I don't know that... I don't y- think China's ever going to No. <laughs> we won't see the f- complete abolishment of captivity. I understand that. But we will do it in North America. We will see a world that does not exist in, in, in North America. And... Uh, no, I think so, too. I think so, too. And I, I really hope so, because I, I, I think it's necessary. You know, I'm, I went to Asia. <clears throat> I went to uh, Thailand, and uh, I went to a, a tiger sanctuary. And it was one of the most depressing things I've ever seen in my life. And uh, we left early. I was like, we got to get out of here. In the beginning, they walk you into this place, and they have these cubs. They introduce you to these tiger cubs. And the tiger cubs are not drugged at all. No, they don't have to be. They're, they're just playful, yep. and they're, they're just wild. They're like big kittens. Yep. So I was like, wow, this is crazy. They're great. I but play with them. Then you move into tigers that are like six months, seven months old, and they're not drugged, but they, there's handlers in there, multiple handlers. And they're making sure that that tiger that's looking at you kind of funny, like, settle down, bitch, slow down. And then after that, they're lying there like this. Right. Like like a heroin user. It's and, not a sanctuary. And people are taking 
these selfies with them, and it's it's fucking creepy, man. They do rides in Thailand, elephant rides, and you know. They... I did an elephant ride, but those elephants are different because these elephants are all rescued, and they actually retreat. They return them to the wild, and you they they made you have a relationship with this elephant before you ride it. I didn't want to ride it, but my whole family wanted to ride it, and a bunch of other people want to ride. It. They didn't seem to give a fuck if you rode them. That's one thing I can say. I don't want to do it again. But I did enjoy feeding them. I enjoyed washing them. You Dude, is there anything them. more majestic than standing next to a beast like that? I get it. Absolutely. Well, well they're, they're real gentle, man. They're gentle creatures. They're, they're real cool, man. They have a weird energy to them. And like when, Wisdom. You, when you're washing them and touching them, they're like letting you know. Like, thank, I like this. Oh, thank you really you. had a full experience. Like you oh, spent yeah, some time all with day. these things. Yeah, the oh, whole wow. day. Well, then you, you would have for sure got a cane. great appreciation for their, their magist, magistry. Or I don't yeah. know if that's the right word, you but feed I get up, it. This is how it starts. You feed, they, they give you an education of what this... I forget the foundation. Sorry, I'm going to reach I forget back. the name of it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I forget the, the name of the foundation, but they, they have returned many elephants to the wild where they because elephants are it's really easy to return them to the wild in terms of getting them to eat because they eat while you're hanging out with them they just grab bushels of but they have family bonds and and herds yes, right that would be yes. the challenge would be to try to reintroduce them where they're not alone that's true but they also do bond with the other elephants oh, okay. that are near them they, they like it was cool it was cool to see like they established community i mean some of them obviously have been ripped from their families, and these people are—they're rescuing them and then reintroducing them, and they've been successful in reintroducing multiple elephants to the wild. Was but that the same place you went to, with the tiger place and the elephant? No, or two separate. No, okay, okay, totally okay. different, yeah, right. far apart from each other. Have you ever seen what they do to elephants to break them when they tie them down? As yes. yeah, it's not I fucking something. It. I mean, that's just as all. I, how can you be that person? Is the question of mine. I never, I never did anything of the sort. Yes, I kept animals' uh, diets low to get their attention and do that and you know this was just an accepted practice and still is today but the idea of beating them into submission and breaking them so that they can we never did that Th it, that doesn't yeah. exist in whale dolphin captivity it doesn't it well, just these, doesn't these people were taking animals that had been abused right. in circuses right. and, and then they were like reconditioning them and then second lease on life so they were real real sweet they were real sweet and you'd give them sugar cane so you'd feed them so this is how the the introduction is like everyone gets introduced to one individual elephant and you you meet them and they they talk to you like the people that were there were very ethical about it and they were really they obviously had a a, a deep love and respect for these elephants. And there's a video of me on Instagram. Go to the see if you can find the video of me saying I was in Thailand with I'm I like, saw that. I don't recommend it. Yeah, I don't I recommend riding them, but they're sweet animals. But so you feed them first. So you give them all the sugar cane. They go, oh, this guy likes me. He's cool. He's giving me sugar cane. And then you wash them. Yeah, that's it. Here, give me some volume on that. Hey, there's a little dolphin. Or a bunch of elephants. Dude, you're not nervous? Like, fuck, look at Charger right there. I had already rode them. Jesus, very dude. You ride them. I don't recommend it, though. It's a little sketchy riding them. But uh, they're gentle animals. Super gentle. Look at that. This guy's trying to eat a log, though. <laughs> I'm trying to tell him for the past 10 minutes you can't eat a log, but... That's the language gap. He's an elephant. He likes to learn his it's lessons like, hard. You, bitch. I'm going to eat that log. Endearing term, though, right? That's a great yeah. video, man. It was weird. Um, I love that you have a tattered hat. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's my Eastman elevated hat. Oh, that's great. Um, it was uh, the... 
the experience was interesting because, like, in, on one hand, like, I don't, I didn't want to ride them, but everybody else did, and my kids were real young at the time. And Did they put like, a, a saddle on there so that you're sitting, or are you just right on the? the well, elephant? you get on their body. You know, you don't. You, there's really no saddle. Oh, okay. Like you, you just have a rope, and the rope is just sort of so you don't fall off. And one of my kids fell off, but there, uh, and it wasn't because the elephant tried to get her to fall off. She oh, you'd know off. if an elephant was trying to get you off. Yeah, yeah. they're sweet, man. Like, the, and everybody that was there was like, this was like their expression the whole time. Like, oh, I can't believe this. It was mostly people having fun. But, um, you know, you get this kind of appreciation for the variety of of uh, beings that exist on this ama- amazing planet. And that that is one of them. And that and that these things, they're, they have consciousness. It's, it's a different kind of consciousness. It becomes a question of what you support. There are places that are that your dollars and your support uh, help, and there are places that where you're duped. Yeah. And uh, it just becomes a question of uh, being able to sift through the bullshit, and it, there's a lot. It's when it comes to bottom dollars and whatnot, too often conservation takes a back seat. I see too often zoos uh, where the exit is at the, uh, is through the, uh, uh, you know, that what do you call it, the gift shop, and, uh, you know, they, they attribute that they're conservation first. But as soon as you start to look into the way the funds are allocated, the CEOs are getting all the money. The uh, allocation of, of monies towards the best interests of animals is a fraction of. So it That's just That's the is. case with almost all charitable organizations. It's like people donate money because they think that it does well. I mean, and then they find out that a lot of the money is going to staffing and like the vast majority is going to like high salaries for people commercials why the yeah. fuck am i giving money to you to promote commercials for elephant rides at uh, african lion safari and you're purporting to be conservationist but all you're doing is breeding more animals to pay more to, so that you can make more money and more people will ride them it's all that just happens when there's not much accountability when there's <laughs> exactly. charitable organizations without much accountability you know people are weird man you leave them alone and uh, don't give them like real scrutiny and they especially when they're they're operating under the umbrella of doing something ethical and moral and in darkness that's the thing where you're able to operate without uh you know without the oversight and that's uh again i attribute that to marine land there's been no laws in any capacity they used to uh, donate all the money to the ospca which was the uh you know the the animal a protection agency that that governs, uh, you know, Marina was charged with multiple counts of animal cruelty. Their response was to sue the OSPCA for millions. Like, that's what they did. They tied them up with red tape and millions of dollars. And then the OSPCA decided in court that it was not in their best interest, it's not in the public's best interest to pursue the charges because it'd be too expensive. And the fucking, uh, and the uh, justice of the peace threw out the fucking charges. That's how Scientology got tax exempt status. That's mental. Do you know, Scientology, they filed thousands of lawsuits against the IRS. (laughs) <laughs> i mean think about it it's funny anyways it's the thing that uh bl- that boils my blood i don't know i want to well, believe in a just world but it's, you know the world is kind of just it's it's just in the fact that even when it's unjust people find out it's unjust that's the beauty of today i mean look i i send a tweet out and these days my twitter is a more powerful machine than marine lens commercials because you know, they, they can spend all the money they fucking want to, to, to put all these very expensive commercials on the on the very expensive airtime. But uh, there are more people on the Internet that want to see things that uh, aren't crafted and tailored and biased. And so, you know, Marineland's theme song, which is probably the, the, the most genius thing that is attributed to the business, it works for me now. What is their theme song? Everyone loves Marineland. <laughs> Fuck that place. Are you kidding me? 
I'm going to take a picture of you to wrap this thing up so that people know that. Can I do a couple of acknowledgements yeah, while I'm take, here? Take those grandpa grass, glasses These off. These are my $27. Look at me. Are you serious? I don't know. Bam. Man. Take a go. few. We got you. Can I launch a couple acknowledgements, yes. Joe, just while I, while we wrap this up? Because shout outs. First off, I want to just tell people if they do want to help me, uh, the, the way that you can contribute to um, my legal defense fund is at savesmooshy.com. You'll get a... Uh, Spell smooshy. S-M-O-O-S-H-I. So it's S-A-V-E-S-M-O-O-S-H-I.com. There's, uh, and then you'll see a trailer for the film and whatnot there. There it, it is. is. Thank defend you so much. Animal Abuse Whistleblower. There we go. Happening as we speak. People are... Uh, GoFundMe. There's a GoFundMe that's available. Yes. 175,388 out of. It should be noted that I've raised significantly more than that. Uh, this isn't okay. my first uh, campaign. I've had to, you know, back when I used to use a different, and it was only like a. They only had like months long run. This 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 one has sustainability, so I've so I've kept with that uh, GoFundMe. But so that's where people can go to help me. There are people out there that are helping me with my mental health, Joe. That I have to help. That I have to. You talking about your pot dealer? Tribute. <laughs> Prohibition <laughs> Farms. Shout out. And yes, all the people that send me pot. I want to thank people that send me acid and mushrooms as well. And I'm still waiting on that DMT delivery. But Woo! Uh, um, about a month ago, I was in Ottawa, and uh, bear in mind, I'd been on my back on account of an injury for three months, and uh, I'd, I'd driven up to Ottawa, and I went live on Instagram that night. And everyone noticed that there's something off about me. I felt off too. I can't, I can't say exactly what happened, but I wasn't right. I left Ottawa and I left a pile of dead skin behind, not literally, but there was something that I was in a tough place. I hadn't slept in a while. I hadn't eaten. Yeah. I almost call it like a culture shock. You know, you've been on the couch a long time and the world's different now. All of a sudden I'm traveling for the first time and there was something about it. And I went live and, and there was a woman that stepped up and she said, look, Phil, I'm a, you know, I'm a registered massage therapist and I'm this and that, but, uh, you know, you, you, you've got some problems here. We're going to have to help you. <clears throat> and that night she sent me a meditation. So I started my guided meditation. I started, uh, and then thereafter she and I embarked on a journey. Her name is uh, Michelle Wilson in Toronto. I just want to, I just want to thank her because she has helped me. I, I've in, for the last month I've been doing a lot of breathing exercise. I would have not known uh, the benefits of, of, uh, meditation and breathing because I wasn't there yet. I was, my mind is such that I, I wasn't able to sit down and do these things. And she, and she, she helped me do that. And so I want to thank Michelle for that. I want to thank a gentleman by the name of Paul Lazenby. He sent me at a time when I was, uh, I was in a tough place. Uh, uh, he, he helped me. He sent me uh, this stuff <laughs> called Black Oxygen. I'm not endorsing the product. I'm just saying that he, he, he did en- endeavor me with this thing to help me. It was was that the MMA guy? He's an MMA guy, yeah. Uh, there's a few. Yeah. M- Chris Cyborg, she takes this. Uh, this what is it? It's like this fiber. It's this. It's this. It's literal soil. It's like they core it out of uh, northern Ontario. They process it in Montreal. They sent. He sends me this bag. I put it in my fucking coffee, man. It's a pre-workout uh, thing. And again, I'm not working out, but it, it was. It, he he had given it to me to help me with the inflammation with the injury. Now, what it does is it hyperoxygenates your your blood and does all these things. But I will tell you that in every which way that I fucking drink this stuff twice a day, just a little bit, this powder, and it's all natural. It's just this. Oh, man, it is like a fucking. It just blasts me off. I've never felt anything like it. So I'm not attributing. I'm not. Hold on. But what is it? It's mud. Mud. You drinking mud? Yes. I put mud into a drink. I stir it. Whatever drink I take. What's it called? It's called black oxygen. It's a fulvic. It's a fulvic mineral uh, supplement of sorts. Fulvic meaning volcanic. Yeah, I guess. Is that what it means? You know more than me. If I said the word, it means nothing to me. Fulvic. What does fulvic? 
what I will but say it's is from dirt. You're eating dirt. I'm what? eating dirt. Yeah, I'm eating mud. <laughs> <laughs> what does fulvic mean? I'm wrong about volcanic. It doesn't have anything to do with volcanic. It's a mineral of sorts for sure. So I, I'm taking this stuff, and you know, I'm. I just gotta say, like it's. I just appreciate that people are out there helping me. So, you know, he's out there and he's sending me this stuff. And, you know, and it helps you. I have to attribute that in every which way that I have received this inordinate amount of energy at times when it wasn't there. It was right after drinking this stuff. It is a... Uh, what is it supposed to do? It gives you all these minerals that you're otherwise void of. And it, 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 it and that I'm told, or that I was told, it, it hyperoxygenates it off it, your, your blood cells. It, off, it puts bl- uh, oxygen into your blood cells. And that, by virtue of, was to help me with my, the inflammation and whatnot to my injury. I took it. Uh, didn't make me sick. It gave me a diarrhea a little bit, which uh, that happens sometimes. I imagine I, I just increased the 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 liquid that I that I mix it in. But again, I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to endorse it. I'm just saying that I'm just thanking Paul for that. Uh, he 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 he's been there for a number of years. He's always tried to help me. Sent me books and stuff. And I, I just want to give credit to those who are 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 putting me in ahead of their best interests and and for no particular reason. They just one more time. What's the name thing. of the product? Black Oxygen. And is there a website? There's a Black Oxygen website. So that's a uh, who else? Pat Militich is uh, he's pushing it like crazy, and uh, Chris Cyborg's on it. She she attributes it to a lot of her success in Bellator. She just you know she won she won uh, a, a title one night, and the next night she's messaging me about uh, Black Oxygen. I, I, again, one of those one of those just uh, one of those gifts of of you know having been on the show. Uh, so again, I just want to send out the, my appreciation for for the people again that extend themselves to to help me both in my uh, my rehabilitation of my injury and and my mental health uh thanks to the uh <laughs> so because i go live on instagram a lot i got a lot of people that you know they recognize that my activism is different i do things a bit different like I just do and so uh i just want to attribute a little thanks to the uh, sexy renegade crew that is out there they are uh, always always have my best interest first if you want to follow me uh, I have uh, a Twitter, of course, Walrus Whisperer. I'm on Instagram, Walrus Whisperer, and uh, do join my live casts. Um, also, for my for activism purposes, for people who are looking to um, learn about activism, that is also just a little bit beyond Marineland, but also to keep in keep tabs on what is happening. Uh, vis- uh, visit and follow uh, Marineland or Boycott Marineland Canada, which is a Facebook group and a, a Instagram group. They're the ones who organize the events that I attend. I don't organize events; I just attend. But they're the ones that announce them, so they'll announce them. I'll tweet it, and then you know I get a lot of a lot of people that want to join these uh, these events, and so I, you know that. So follow those things. Those are the things you can do. And also just a quick last uh, uh, shout out is, you know, we've, we've lost some people. There, there are people that are missing that have had some, uh, some pretty poignant impact both in the, uh, in the uh, activist world and whatnot. And the first one is Linda Diebel. She was the writer, the original writer of the Toronto Star article. And again, this isn't in the documentary. You wouldn't know, but you will have heard her voice early in it. Now, she's not with us anymore, and the circumstances of which are tragic. But she was a uh, brilliant and absolute brilliant writer. And you know, that often comes as a curse. And so she's no longer with us. I, I, I do miss her. Um, there's a woman who I had a very powerful interaction with, brief albeit, but her name was uh, Susie Ble. And uh, Susie impacted my life in ways that uh, I just can't surmise with words. So I'd like to uh, send my love of, again uh, to her. And then I would also like to make a mention of a, a sacrifice, uh, an activist, an animal rights activist that may not have seen eye to eye with everything for me, but she was a supporter and she was there at Marineland. 
Her name is Regan Russell, and she died tragically this year. She in the documentary? She's not in the documentary. She, she, she may be in the documentary. I'd have to watch, but she is part of of parts that could have been. She, Who's she, the lady in the documentary with the short dark hair? What does she look like? I have to like a lady with a short dark hair. Oh, the lady with the short dark hair. She's she's uh, in the beginning. Like it shows how long she's been protesting. Oh, of course, Kath Catherine Ends. So Catherine yeah. Ends is great. You see her get a beat down by the cops a little later. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you a story of that cop is the guy who certified me as a scuba diver when I was 16 years old. He called me a fish. He said he'd never seen anyone who fucking who reacted underwater like that. I watched the documentary. I'm like, holy shit. I won't mention his name. It's a different time. Uh, but uh, he, he could get full circle. More stuff. gentle with her. Dude, that was pretty awful. That's she's a pretty aggressive footage. She's still around. She's there every year. And in fact, she, she organized, she has a, an NGO called uh, Niagara Action for a Niagara Action for Animals. And she's great. A least judgmental person I've ever known. And she has been uh, anti-species, if you will. So she, in every which way, sees that animals shouldn't be used. It's what she she hopes to achieve in life, is to, to abolish that. But, uh, you know, these are, the, these are the shoulders of the giants that I stand on. These are the people that have, have put in the work long before some bum like me come along. So, you know, in every which way that I could attribute that. And again, just back to Regan Russell. She's not in the documentary, but she could very well have been. Uh, she lost her life, and she she lost it in her activism. It's a really tragic story, um, but just the opportunity that I can express my um, how'd she lose it? There's an organization called Toronto Pig Save, and what they do is they, I mean, I don't, I don't encourage this. I don't think people should put themselves in danger. But what happens is they they're pulling up to a processing plant with pigs in the back, and an activist run to the pigs. And they give them water and they, they take pictures and they show them love right before they go into the, before they go get slaughtered. It's a thing they do. She got hit by a truck and got run over and got split in half and it's no longer like, it's an awful, 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 awful thing. And, uh, you know, she really did. I mean, I sacrifice, but there are people that sacrifice Somebody far on more. Purpose? I'm not going to say that. I don't, I don't, that's murder. I'm not going to attribute that to the driver. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to. Some people may want to do that. I'm not going to do that. I wasn't there. And that, that comes with charges of murder. That doesn't come with the charges that were laid. I'm not going to say that. What I'm going to say is it happened and it could have been avoided both in, in ways that she could have changed things and the driver as well. But I do want to just offer both her family and, and whatnot, the opportunity the fact that I can put her word, her name through this microphone is just is something that I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm honored to do. So I, I want to take that opportunity. Okay. And Joe, you, you're my brother. When, uh, in my darkest hours, when I think there isn't a fucking hope in hell, I only have to be reminded that I still have the, 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 the giant with the strongest shoulders to stand on. And that is you. And thank you. I can't thank you enough, my brother. I do feel, I feel it. And I thank you for that. Thank you. It's thank you pleasure. for feeling me. Thank you for feeling it's me. It's my pleasure. And I have to tell you, in all honesty, that it's with great guilt that I accept that because I feel like my contribution is the easiest. It's not hard for me to do what I do. It's not hard for me to have you on and talk to you. I love you. I appreciate you. And uh, I, feel, <clears throat> I feel compelled. I've always felt compelled to help you. And you are, um, you are you're legitimate. You know, you are, you are what you, what is advertised. You are who you are. You're an extremely admirable human being. I think what you're doing is amazing. Thank you, Joe. Let's wrap this bitch up before I cry. 
Goodbye, everybody. Follow Walrus Whisperer on Instagram. Walrus Whisperer. Why, why can't I say that quick? Walrus Whisperer. You should see Mike Tyson try to say it. <laughs> Basically, Walrus Whisperer. <laughs> walrus, go to war. Uh, walrus Whisperer on Instagram and Twitter. Do you have a Facebook as well? I have Facebook, but don't waste yeah, your time. Fuck Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, fuck all that. Um, um, but, do, but do go to uh, Boycott Marine Land yes. Canada on Facebook and on Instagram. And please visit SaveSmooshie.com. I I, again, I stress, I don't need a lot of money from people. I don't want you to be sending me thousands, send me five bucks. I just need a lot of people. As yeah. long as I got a lot of people, we're good. You're going to get a lot of people. I Enjoy. appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everybody.